Hello um, and welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. Hey, a boot, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's Canadian week this week, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's exactly. the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill. Uh, that's me. And the little gentleman sniggering away in the corner is my good friend, Renfrey Deadman. How Never you? been described as a little gentleman ever in my life, but thank you. I appreciate well, it. Well, that's quite all right. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of Canadian week this week, Renfrey. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. pretty much. Um, inadvertently, but yes, it is. Yeah, it uh, is. Lots of Toronto-based... Uh, Kind of punk, kind of not. I guess yeah, it's we'll kind of a that. punky, Canadiri, good week. Canadiri almost sounds like a venereal disease or something. Oh well, you, <laughs> what I thought was nice, <laughs> you've turned so, into something. I mean, no offense to our Canad- Canadian brothers and sisters. I'm just saying. Vile. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I think we've got lots of nice things to be saying oh, about yeah, 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 Canada yeah, yeah. Oh, later definitely. on. Do you know? Yeah. Um, I am a quarter Canadian. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Uh, on which Are you going to ask me what? Hey, what quarter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh. I, I wasn't. No. no? Um, okay. Which which which, uh, which side? Where does that come from? Uh, it's my my nan, my dad's mum. Oh wow, is okay. Canadian. Oh no way! So have my, you been to Canada? I haven't. I haven't been. I would. I would really like to go because you know I've got a lot of family out there. And a quarter of your body's pining for home. Yeah, I mean Clearly. it's weird. My my nan's Canadian and moved out to move to Portsmouth. Um, that must have been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, I beg your fucking <laughs> oh, pardon. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Portsmouth's the, great. The, the <clears> fucking, <throat> the, my eyes have seen the glory of the gates in Fratton Park. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fun land on South Sea, South Sea Pier, yeah. this Spinnaker Tower. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Portsmouth's nice. Uh, wedge, the Wedgwood rooms. rooms. Yeah, the Wedgwood yeah. Rooms are quite nice. So there's plenty of stuff going on in Portsmouth. It's all glass mug that off. Yep. Good. Saw rival schools there once. As exactly. Well. So, yeah. and there you are. Kiss the girl yeah. uh, in the Wedgwood rooms once. Wow. <laughs> Fuck me. I don't know why that made me really excited? <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time I was there. there a blue plaque outside. Uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, anyway, Renfrey's thinking about the glory days, uh, and I'm talking about Portsmouth, and it's not relevant. But I'll tell you what is relevant. Um, our usual weekly shout out to our good friends at Musicism, who are the uh, our benefactors, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Right, yeah. fine. Um, go to music.net. You should know the bloody drill by now. They do videos telling you how to be a better singer, a better guitarist, a better producer. They tell you how to do all that stuff. And it only costs you $9.99 a month if you go to musicism.net. That's musicism.net. But if you want to get even more money off, Riot in capital letters at the checkout will get you 25% off. And it does work. Someone had a problem with it this week, didn't they? They had a problem putting it in, going, what is it? Um, they got it sorted in the end. So sorry about that, mate. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. it's uh, it's all sorted. It definitely just, works. Oh, it yeah. definitely works. It yeah, definitely yeah. works. It's just a clerical er- error. Maybe oh, okay. I had fat thumbs as well. Who knows? <laughs> um, anyway, Maybe. on this week's show, uh, we are going to be doing loads of Canadian things. Also, we're going to be reviewing <laughs> um, the new records from Echo and the Bunnymen and Wildcat Strike. But the Canadian things, what I was talking about, uh, refers to the new album from Fucked Up and... Renfrey, you spoke to the chaps in the Dirty Nil about their five favourite albums from Canadian punk bands. Yes. And that's coming up later on. In fact, they are pretty much all from Toronto, from what I recall. Oh, really, really? uh, Which is where they're from. But yeah, it uh, it was a brilliant chat. We talked just before their show at the Boston Music Rooms, which was also excellent. So yeah, it was fun. That's coming up later. Um, If you want to go give us some cash, I'm sure you do after all that. Pay for my 
trip out to Canada that I'm definitely <laughs> going to have one day. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Help us out. Um, and if you like, you can go and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at right act underscore podcasts. And uh, do you know what I discovered the other day? We have an Instagram page, which I completely forgot about. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, we've got an Instagram page, so you should probably follow that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> I'm going to guess and say we're called right act podcasts. So along those lines, okay. I'm sure. Um, it's uh, it's uh, good. And it... <laughs> <laughs> we... <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that Instagram is the it's, new cool thing. Good. <laughs> like, I don't have an Instagram account. Hey I don't know. Kids, it's exciting. Come on over to Instagram. It's, like, it's good. <laughs> um. it's, it sounds so um, old. I don't know. I we, don't know. <laughs> that's got a good place to start. Um, where we can start. Hey kids. <laughs> We were going to listen to the new Twenty One Pilots album this week, um, yeah. and we, we we so okay. So as I said, this week we're doing fucked up. We're doing Echo and Bunny Men, and we're doing Wildcat Strike. There was a chat between you and I, as Twenty One Pilots are probably the most zeitgeist surfing band in quote unquote un- alternative music on the planet at the moment. That's a fantastic Think- way to put it. Yes, yes, I agree with that um, entirely. Uh, they dropped their new record, which is a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal. Uh, the album's called Trench. And we had a conversation um, before having before we'd actually heard the record yeah. about whether or not we should review it. Yeah. Um, I think both of you, both of you, both you and I, <laughs> I should say, both of you and me as well, um, we have kind of decided that we are at some point going to review it. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I have to say, so we're not doing it this week because... Uh, I've not had a chance to listen to the entire thing and Steve's only heard it a couple of times and we like to go in a bit bit more detail in that. Mm. But um, it's not quite what I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Um, like my knowledge of 21 Pilots is, you know, they're an irritant to a lot of people in the rock world because they've been... I think the the story goes that they've, they've been missold as a rock band. And yeah. I don't I don't know how much truth there is in that or not, to be totally honest, um, because I've just completely ignored all of it. Mm. Um, but I think there is enough on here to be worthy of our attention. Well, we're not a rock podcast. No, exactly. Or we're not a rock and metal podcast. Exactly. And I can understand ignoring 21 pilots if you're in in the game of rock music yeah yeah um having listened to the record i think when you consider that we have deliberately gone out of our way to broaden ourselves in the terminology of alternative music i'm not quite sure exactly what 21 pilots are necessarily the alternative to they sound to me like i say very zeitgeist surfing i was going to say you saying zeitgeist surfing i mean i don't want to review it yet but it does sound like they're using lots of different genres which are popular at the moment Mm. which is totally fine like i think that's actually a pretty cool thing to do there's a lot of one one band that sprung to mind that they sort of reminded me of was awol nation in terms of the genre hopping and stuff like that and there's just going to be more and more and more of this as time goes on i think we need to kind of move on and mm. acknowledge that it's less seems sort of less to me about um uh sonic annoyance mm-hmm. as kind of ageist general generation annoyance yeah probably 
that that feels like that's the thing. Like, I can understand it when there have been certain bands who at some point were, you know, metalcore or pop punk or whatever, who have moved into realms where you go, this is pure pop music at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really has very little to do with anything alternative whatsoever. Mm. And I can see how that could be considered um, a kind of uh, an affront to your sort of memory of what that band was or what your feelings about that band were. It, I it, mean, It's irritating as well when you are sold something as one thing and as a matter of fact, it's something totally different that mm. you can't help but be a little bit cynical and think, well, are you just trying to convince me that this is something it's not so that we'll cover it or, or you know, Kerrang will cover it or Rock Sound will cover it or whatever. And, you know, we, we don't talk about the remit of what those magazines cover because we don't work for either of them. But mm. like... Um, I think, I, th- I think, I think, as genres are becoming less of a predefined uh, box, this is a conversation which is going to happen more and more often, and mm. it's essential to move with those times and just go. Well, you know, this is what alternative music is, and, and by the sounds of it, now, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's not, it is not what I expected <clears throat> it to be. No, all. I think it, like having listened to it. I think enough of it fits in with the sort of thing that we would usually cover. Yeah. It's just the fact that they're massive. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that to me, like that they're massive and young people <laughs> like them. And that seems to be kind of the sum total of the real, when you think of some of the bands that other people cover mm. and the way they sound in comparison with this 21 pilots album, I don't. I can't see any reason why Twenty One Pilots are getting picked on, over or or ignored, or you know, there's an outrage about them as opposed to the Amity Affliction. Based on the minuscule amount that I've heard, I agree totally. Mm. So, I, I don't. I don't get it. I. 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 You know, this is a lot more in common with what we do than that new Amity Affliction record does, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Definitely, yeah. Um, so we're going to, at some point, we're going to do a show in the next sort of month or so where we do big albums that we've missed or good albums that we've missed. Yeah, good albums. Good albums. Yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of... Uh, and also, I think we should look at stuff which has fallen through the cracks a little bit, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll dedicate a whole show to that at some point because obviously we're only 12 weeks old. And yeah, so it's going to be pre Riot Act stuff. More or less, yeah. There's mm. one or two albums, yeah, I think, that we've missed. But yeah, yeah, But I yeah. think probably 21 Parts will be on that as will The Manix and Ghost and yep. Zelenada yep. and I've got a bunch of records that uh, come yeah. to mind yeah, a whole but... other bunch of things that we've not had a chance to review yeah. so anyway that was just a quick thing I just thought I'd, I'd flag that up um, did you hear about the Nirvana reunion this week Renfrey? I did. yeah yeah yeah, yeah Nirvana re- reunited didn't they at the Cal Jam Festival well they didn't but they did no they didn't at all <laughs> they didn't um, in the basically Foo Fighters did an encore they did a kind of a set where they went backwards in time through their yeah. dis- discography. And, um, the, Good set, though. Yeah, it was. Serve the know. Servants and Senseless Apprentice. Well, yeah. And- so um, Serve the Servants, Senseless Apprentice, In Bloom, Teen Spirit, and All Apologies, they did. Oh, I thought it was six songs. I might have made that up, though. Never mind. Uh, I might be missing one, but that's okay. what I saw. Um, yeah, they were joined by um, Joan Jett, Jett. Brodie Dahl, and John McCauley to um, essentially karaoke Kurt Cobain. Dave Grohl on drums, Chris Novoselic on bass, Pat Smear on guitar. Hmm. Um, I mean, that sounds good to me. It sounds that's good. fucking cool. Like, if, if, you, if, you turn, if I turn up to a Foo Fighters show 
and they did that as an encore unannounced i'd be i'd be absolutely like buzzing yeah yeah it's amazing like I, I i don't you know and i i don't believe for a millisecond that anyone in the band is going this is a nirvana reunion no it, i hated it, the it, fact that I, I mean this is the, this is the this is the beef in it yeah it's the media who are going oh this is a nirvana reunion in order to get you to click onto their headlines so that they get advertising revenue from your clicks that's yeah. all it is so it's the it's the media turning it into something it isn't but yeah if i went to a foo show which i do anyway personally um and saw that as an encore i'd be fucking buzzing that'd be great you know yeah it would be amazing wicked yeah i mean i'm just i'm kind of affronted and talking about being affronted by band like i'm kind of insulted by the idea of it being called a nirvana reunion i really that really i that prickled me i've got to be honest yeah i got i really put my back up but again that's that's all the media isn't it i know i I don't i can't imagine for a millisecond that dave grohl no no or chris novoselic who are the main two let's be honest who are alive um would think that that would consider this a nirvana reunion at all i I think saying pat smear would think this was a nirvana no 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 (laughs) god no 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 but um i think uh (laughs) You know, they just view it as a, this is, isn't this a cool thing to do? And, mm. you know, I imagine Christopher Selleck was in town and those songs are pretty easy to remember how to play and stuff like that. Again, not a diss on Nirvana, but, um, no. you know, like, yeah, it's just, just a cool thing. But, you know, the the way the media works now is um, you click on websites and that's how they get money. And I it- shouldn't be getting so insulted by it. I mean, like I did, like I was, I was literally stomping around my living room when I was reading it. I was so fucked off. I was like, don't fucking call it a Nirvana reunion, you pricks. Like, it's not a Nirvana reunion. I I was honestly like, I was, and I was, and then suddenly I went, hold on, I'm 38 and I'm getting annoyed that some shit website is calling something. But the problem is, is in a way, that's what they want because you will click on it probably in a fury, just like, what do you you mean it's a Nirvana reunion? You know? And because pretty accurate uh, impression of you, <laughs> Vibe, yeah. right, Brian Blessed, yeah, yeah. and um, you know, and and as soon as you've clicked on it, that is you've you've effectively paid them. I mean, you haven't paid them money, but they have got the money that they need from that advertising revenue. So mm. the point ten p or whatever it is, or point one pence, I can't remember what it is, but yeah. <sighs> God, that's depressing. But well, anyway, the, the well, media, they got I mean, me. The media's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> as I mean, whole, the media they got me. So, depressing. you know, cool as fuck that yeah. Foo Fighters did a, an encore yeah, of, of Nirvana wicked. songs with the surviving members of Nirvana fronted by other people. Yeah. But if I see any of you calling it a fucking Nirvana <laughs> reunion, like, just because you've got Frank Sinatra's trumpet player and his fucking <laughs> ba- double bass player, it's not a Frank Sinatra reunion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we saw a Jimi Hendrix reunion because of the other two guys from the Jimi Hendrix experience. Well, you quite need the other... You you kind of need that one, yeah, don't you? That's, you need that one. That is an interesting point, actually. Yeah. Um, Do you know what I mean? Because if it was... I wonder if that's just because they're... You know, their names are in the band. You know, the Jimi Hendrix experience yeah. and... Well, if you go and see Andrew Ridgely and someone comes on and sings Wake Me Up Before You Go, Go, <laughs> you've not seen a Wham reunion. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would go to that later. <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of the 90s, in slightly less, ex- well, way less exciting and much more completely ludicrous, stupid news. Um, Shaggy 2 Dope, he of the insane clown posse. Mm. Um, 
tried and it has to be said remarkably failed uh, to drop kick Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit off stage during a Limp Biscuit show. Yeah. Renfrey, is it 1999? <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. it that clip was must have been from 1999. I, I, you know, I, I I sent you a message on Facebook saying oh, we need to cover this just so that we could talk about the 90s, really. Yeah, uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. But this like, sort of shit used well, to happen every week. Yeah, yeah, it this was, literally. Get, if this was 1999, this wouldn't even get in a show. No, This would be no, like, no, well, no, there's no, no point. There's too many other things happening. <laughs> too many like, other people you know, being dropkicked, you know. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. The guy from Seven Dust has snorted coke off of the... <laughs> Like from Godsmack's girlfriend's like ass from. <laughs> oh, I remember that story well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think it, I, it was it was also one of the few opportunities that I would have to um give Limp Bizkit some praise, I suppose, as well, uh, because I thought the way that Fred does. I mean, obviously, he didn't he barely touched got touched by uh what's this idiot shaggy name too dope he's shaggy not as good dope. one That's violent jay's yeah. the better of the two right the same kind obviously of i know my limited knowledge of oh, you say limited i mean uh, quite a lot of uh, knowledge about insane clown posse <laughs> do, i can see uh, a lot of insane clown posse vinyl behind you there yeah, uh, just the same the... album five times <laughs> get the old but um, but uh you know i mean if someone came to work and drop kicked you or attempted to drop kick you mm. and missed, you'd be pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd be pissed off. And that's exactly what's happened here. You know, Fred Durst <laughs> is at work and someone <laughs> has come and tried to drop kick him, apropos of nothing, so far as I can see. I mean, apart I, from the fact he's Fred Durst. I don't know the background to this story and I don't no. know how it happened and I don't know. What the aftermath of it is, I've just seen that video. There was a hell of so a scuffle, I'm, though, wasn't there? There's a With scuffle. Security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, you walked on stage and drop kicked someone. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and it is a full blown WWF <laughs> drop kick. Yeah. Like, it is proper, like, Shawn Michaels drop which, kick. And it, but, which he missed. but he doesn't connect. <laughs> he just jumps about. And if he, if he had have connected, it would have smacked. Fred oh. in the back of the head and he'd be in the crowd. If it had connected, because he was, he was quite close to the lip of the stage as well. I mean, mm. we are talking like, I don't, yeah. get, don't want to get too serious No, about we this wouldn't be laughing about it if that had happened. Well, we would actually, that's if not he, true. Well, well, We'd still be laughing about it. I Even if Fred Durst was dead, I think he'd still be going like, <laughs> what a funny way to die. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like someone's mum or anything, but like if he had like, he was on the lip of the stage and if he'd hit his head on the barrier or something he might have died so yeah. you know it's very serious you know um, and uh, you shouldn't drop kick people in the middle of their shows it's almost like the man from Insane Clown Posse not really thought through what he's about to do and it's almost like he's it. not thought through his entire career <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's almost like that's what he does every day he just doesn't really think about what's going on <laughs> yeah. and the consequences are disastrous I so you can see this footage online and I suggest that you do go and watch it because, uh, I mean, it just, uh, it filled me with, uh, I, I did like, it's stupid as fuck. And as a 38 year old man, I am like, why am I getting that excited? Like, A, why am I getting so annoyed that someone said Nirvana reunion? And B, why am I getting so excited by one of Insane Clown Posse missing with a dropkick at a Limp Biscuit show? Like, those, I should have moved on at this point, but it just, it filled me with so much beautiful nostalgia for, you know, argue, you know, I love the 90s and I think the early 90s were really, were genuinely really good. Mm. Whereas the later 90s were, I mean, really good as well in different areas. But in terms of like mainstream stuff, just fucking stupid. Like, oh, oh yeah. 
fucking static X kicked over Cole Chambers' sandcastle. <laughs> like, front cover of Kerrang! And I was like, oh, those are the days. Those are the fucking days. So, um, yeah. Like, fucking go and watch it online. If you're Maya, if you're around the age of, of the 90s, then... As in, as in, if you were if you were a kid of the nineties, yeah. If you're not a kid not, from the nineties, if you're about ninety, if, no, you're, if, about 90, if, if you're ninety, I'll yeah. tell you what. You got if you if you are ninety, go and watch it and laugh, and then breathe your last breath, knowing that the last thing on earth you did was really hilarious. <laughs> if you are ninety and listening to this, then fair play to you. I wonder if anyone is ninety and is listening to this. I don't know. We've got um, geographic demographics, haven't we? But we haven't got uh, we haven't got age. Well, if you've got any, if we've got anyone in Bournemouth, can we check that? Because that's sort of an old granddad town. Uh, I don't know if it's that specific. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> um, anyway, it's great. Um, little shout as well. We're still running our Arctangent Gent competition that we started last week. We have got another five days of that left. That's right. If you go if you, on to you... riotact.net, yes, that's the website. It's running on there. As we said, loads of cool stuff that Renfrew invented. Um, invented? Well, a handleless porcelain reusable mug. Yeah. You mean a mug? Okay. This is, is all, this mean. is all stuff. This is all stuff that I made in my laboratory and my <laughs> workshop downstairs. But yeah, and I just Arctan- put Arctan- Arctan- merch, including the poster uh, signed by all of the bands who played this year's lineup. Um, only five of them in existence. Three of them are owned by the organisers. One of them, the festival is going to be given to someone. So we have the other one. Yeah. So it's pretty fucking rare. It's lovely. And you can have that. I like it. Mm. It's up in my room at the moment. All right. But well, you have to give that away. I know someone. I will eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. five more days. Okay. But, you know, it's Well, it's anyway, nice. go over to our website and you can possibly wrench that from Renfrey's sweaty, thieving <laughs> oh, hands. hands. Uh, let's do the trade-off. Right, okay. I've never been so excited about doing this uh, since we started doing it, I don't think. Last <sighs> week, uh, you gave me Lenkus. Yeah, Lenkus, Lenkus. I'm not sure. They've been in, con- in contact on um, uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter, actually, uh, guys. Can you tell us how how you say your name? That would be really, really great. Um, Probably should have asked it during the week when we. Oh, I, I was talking about other stuff. Okay. Um, I think it's Ill- I just I want to go with Ilenkus because who has a silent I? Have you ever heard of a silent I? And a silent P. A I think s- you can get a silent I. I can think that's you? quite an Irish. Thing. Thing, isn't it? Oh, maybe they are from yeah. Ireland. Okay, so. cool. Right. Um, well, anyway, let's call him Lenkus for the minute. Okay. You gave me the crossing. Now, mm. I'd never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. When did this come out? 2015, was it? That's a good guess. Okay, it uh, is a ge- it's completely a guess as well. I'm pretty sure I looked at it 15 very- or 16. Yeah. 15 or 16. Okay, well, the point is, it's been out for a few years now, right? It has. How the fuck have I never heard of this before? Yep. How the fuck have I never heard this band before? Yep. They're fucking brilliant. They're fucking insane, aren't this they? This album is absolutely fucking brilliant. Yep. If you like, I mean, and it's me- and it's metal, and yep. um, it completely floored me. Yeah, it's incredible. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's like death metal, Mastodon, and something that Mike Patton would do all yes. kind of blended together. Uh, so I've just checked. It was released 2014. 2014, right. So it's been right, out for okay. four years. It's been out for four years. And no one has picked up on this. And I don't understand why, or not enough people. Like, I've just, I've, I've, I'm completely well, baffled. I haven't. I didn't. I didn't baffled. know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a fucking rager. It's so, this record in particular is so varied. Um, and there's so much going on. There's parts where it sounds like 
all. Mm. Um, but in a great, great way. The sound. There's parts where it's just it's just relentless hardcore and just ridiculous. There's parts. Yeah, the Mike Patton esque parts are absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's only five tracks as well. It's five tracks, but it's about it's just shy of forty minutes. I think it's yeah, about 37, are, 38 minutes. The songs are really long. Yeah. They all feel like real journeys. Yes. Um, my favourite song on it is "Over the Fire, Under the Smoke," which is kind of it's really interesting because I think it's a difficult thing to get right when you are technically interesting but really groovy and brutal at the same time and it's got this unbelievable groove this unbelievable just like power sledgehammer smash of like grind and brutality to it but it's still it's really the composition of it is is really interesting and they do it you know that's not a one-off really like i say i think mastodon's quite a good shout for it but almost like almost the 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 technicality of mastodon mixed with the the more earthier grit and power of gojira and i don't actually think they i'm saying both those bands and i feel like people it's going to go into people's head oh they're a bit like mastodon they're a bit like gojira and i don't really think that tells a story at all No, no no they are similarly to Black Peaks not saying they are like Black Peaks although they are touring with them in Ireland they are yeah um, but uh, similarly to Black Peaks they take on so many different elements from so many different bands and manage to mash them together in a way that is actually quite unique mm. in my opinion mm. um, and so I um, found out about, about these guys they did actually play Arctangent this year uh, but I missed them uh, because I was asleep uh, but they ended up supporting Godmother so that show I saw at Godmother Uh, and um, I saw them there and uh, was just like whoa I should not have been asleep Um, that I just thought they were absolutely stunning had a quick chat with them at the and basically bought everything they have um, at uh, at the show and I've been listening to so you know quick uh, it's it's really difficult to listen to music especially around this time of year when there's so much stuff coming out, you always feel guilty when you're not listening to something which is new. new. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, boo-hoo, being a journalist, it's not that bad. Really. It is it's but- hard, guys. <laughs> it's so hard. That, that's one, that's one, that is quite yeah. an irritating thing about it. But the amount of times, considering that this is an old record, that I've sort of stole myself 37, 38 minutes just so that I can listen to this record. It's It's been on very hard rotation. And if I were to redo my 2014 albums of the year, it'd be probably top five. It's fucking Mate, outrageous. It is brilliant. And yeah. if, again, if you like metal and if you like heavy... Because to me, like... I was going to say it's almost too good to be extreme metal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that means. Because I don't, like extreme metal is obviously very very good, but that it's really heavy. Yeah, it's really 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 like brilliantly brilliantly heavy. But it doesn't. But it still feels like sometimes you put extreme metal on, and, and your and your initial kind of reaction is just like ah, yeah, 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 yeah. oh god, it's so heavy, and that's yeah. it. Whereas yeah. this, you can pick every instrument out. Yeah, um, it sort of weaves its way around all these different genres and all these different moods and it's it's fucking brilliant yeah i was really excited to i've been waiting yeah for a while to give this to you and i've just been sort of biding my time a little bit um but i was so confident that you would like it the moment i heard it i've Mm. just sort of kept it very secret and to myself but uh, with the Black Peas guys being on last week, I thought it'd be a nice, you know, give them a shout out considering they're touring uh, yeah. with them in Ireland. But 
the, these guys are absolutely amazing and I have not heard of them from anyone else at all. I've I don't, never heard of them. Don't know. I, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying other publications or, or podcasts or whatever haven't covered them at all, but I've not heard anything about these guys. And this isn't this is um, they actually have two albums and an EP as well. Yeah. So there's even more to listen to. This is my favourite thing they've done. Um, but they've also got the EP they released after this is called Hunger. It's far more sort of straight ahead. I guess hardcore. I mean, it's not, it isn't straight ahead hardcore, but it's it's less frenetic and it's less all over the place, mm-hmm. which is why I think. I prefer this one because I like stuff that goes fucking everywhere and you don't know how it got there kind of thing, but yeah. it just has naturally. Um, but Hunger is still an amazing piece of work, like yeah. really, really good. And um, yeah, they're phenomenal, phenomenal band. Would you say this is one of the best, if not the best things I've given to you in trade-off? I think it is the best, yeah. Yeah, I'd I probably... It the, it's, it's, my, it's certainly my favourite thing. Yeah, I yeah, mean, bar I, maybe the Ocean Size records for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Ocean Size... <clears throat> no, no, I, mm. Ooh. No, I think this is better than the Ocean's. I think Ooh. I prefer this to the yeah, Ocean's yeah, yeah, record, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was great. Yeah, it was yeah, really, yeah, yeah, really great. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is a bit of me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, knew, I, mean? I knew it. Yeah, this, I is knew like it. A, this is ex- this is very, very excellent. And I imagine you reciprocate what I've given you this week is probably your favourite thing that I've given you, I imagine. So let's move on to that. Um, so that was uh, Lenkus, spelled Ilenkus, The Crossing. It is fucking brilliant. And it makes me feel bad that uh, I've given Renfri <laughs> the day, not the debut album, no, sorry, the self-titled the album by Swedish rap metal band from the 90s, Clawfinger. This is not a fair swap, is it? No. No. So. <laughs> no, it is not. So, Clawfinger, what what did you know about Clawfinger before heading into this album, Renfrey? I knew they were a second or third rate new metal band. That was about it, really. Mm. I, don't, I, I, I couldn't remember. Are if you I'd... wrong about that, actually? Am I? They're fourth rate. <laughs> I couldn't remember uh, if I'd heard this or not. I don't think I had, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I would have remembered. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Go on, then. What do you think? Well, I don't know what I've done. I mean, <laughs> did I insult your mum or something? <laughs> like, did I... Did I... <laughs> Did I insult you? Did I? Did I? Did I <laughs> murder a member funny. of your family? Like, I just thought it'd be funny. I thought, what can I've given you some really good records? What would be really funny <laughs> to give you that you haven't heard? Um, and oh, it doesn't God. come much funnier than this. So I pressed play on it, and at first I was like, okay, it's very 1997. Mm. Everything about this album is very 1997. Mm. To well, give it some that's credit, that's the same year as the shape of <laughs> punk to come came out. So like, yeah, ninety eight. Well, I could think of another loads of great albums. But what, what I could what, not, what I couldn't quite believe is um, how much influence. I mean, in theory, technically, this record was recorded in ninety six, mm. but I couldn't believe quite how much influence they appear to have taken from records that were recorded in nineteen ninety six. So I was like, okay, so it's kind of like what we would have termed at the time then world music meets new metal mm. sepultura roots mm. um there's some quite dark corn-esque stuff going on which they did a lot of on life is peachy which was 96 yeah and i was like you're not looking back very far for your influence well, that like- was what people used to do that was the, again yeah surfing the old zeitgeist weren't they i mean the thing is right 
Swedish rap metal. Like, I, I, I shouldn't slag off Swedish rap because obviously, like, there's a, the French rap scene is is really Amazing. great. Just because yeah. you don't, because you're from that. Scandinavia, doesn't mean you can't rap. Nope. But Swedish rap metal, that's enough to make you initially go, "What?" That's enough to make you want to run away. But the opening track, Two Sides, has a sitar yeah. and some like Bollywood, he am you, me, yeah. And just go, this is so stupid. And that is the best track on the records by quite a considerable margin. Mm. It is. It only goes downhill from. The, I don't I believe mean, in the God in the world to help me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in the God to get down on my knees. It's, that is, that is like, remarkably yeah, yeah, accurate. Yeah. Ding, like the sitar. Rubbish. What um, are you doing? What were you thinking? And that's the best song. Well, you know what? Before the vocalist came in, I at least, I mean, I didn't think it was good, but I was at least like, well, at least this is slightly different like i mean i suppose you could you could um compare it to sepultura and you could compare it to system of a down done (laughs) whoa 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 whoa. done badly done badly done very very badly in in the sense that they're using middle eastern influences Mm. and combining them with new metal right Mm -hmm. and that is all i'm saying i'm not saying they are anywhere near as good as either of those bands but um and at first i was like okay maybe I can warm to this. And then the vocals came in and I was yeah. like, I am never going to warm to this no. in a billion fucking years. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, it is Zach Tell yeah. is his name. Uh, he uses exactly the same like intonation on every song flow and pathetically poor rapping skills on every single song. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like my attempts at rapping when I was 14. It sounds like your dad taking the piss out of rap yes do you know what i mean like my dad used to go like my dad at christmas would always go when i go when i was like wrap the presents i go dad we need to do some rapping my dad would go oh it's christmas let's do some rapping groovy daddy we're gonna make it happen and it's like (laughs) that is the clawfinger album it's a a bit like what's the television program uh that takes takes the mick out of tomorrow's world and talks about the invention of rap and the oh, guy's like I'm um, rap I'm rap yeah, with I'm Peter rap, rap, rapping yeah 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 Peter Peter Serafinic. Serafinic. Um, yeah. now you look looking oh God, look at me look at me yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a bit like that I mean so and also uh, I, you, you know one of my favourite things to do is to take lyrics and take them apart and oh. uh, <laughs> can I just before you do that can yeah. I just go the best bit is um, in uh the song, the second song, "Hold Your Head Up." Yeah, he he doesn't even. They don't even bother having like a verse, like something for him to rhyme over. There's just like a vocoder that just goes "Eh yom yom yang yam yeah." The whole verse is going "Eh yom 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 yang." Is that a vocoder? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he goes "Bring your bitches back your soul." Eh yom 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 yom. You can't be bothered to write a a rhyme to go. You've got to write a two. Even in the worst, shittiest rapper ever, at least knows you have to write something to rhyme alongside the first line that you've written. <laughs> Not just go like, here's the first line, and then go, yom, 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 yom. I'm kind of grateful that he didn't rhyme in that song, though, because the rhyming of this record, it's the way, you know how kids not all kids let's not be you know dickish to kids but you know how a lot of kids are like every sentence in a poem has to rhyme kind yeah. of thing that is the level that we are talking about here um so there's a song there's a song called chances yeah it's a bad song oh. <laughs> bad. um 
so it goes, uh, are you satisfied with everything the way that it is? Are you stuck in the conformity of minding your own biz? <laughs> Not business. Biz. <laughs> Uh, does a confrontation make you want to turn and run? And do you think about the things like, uh, do you think about the things well, you like to have undone? <laughs> you're a worse rapper than Zach Tell. Oh, fuck <laughs> off, mate. <laughs> you're like the biggest in the best. Bro. Nobody is perfect, but I'm pretty fucking close. And I'm here to give you all a happy heavenly dose. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's so awful. It's dreadful. I remember seeing, and I think like, if you really want to experience the full... Oh god, my fucking mum's calling me. <laughs> Fuck off. Um anyway, keep that in. Keep that in because she needs to know, right? Like <laughs> as if it's fucking phoning on She's the computer. She's part of the claw well. finger reunion, um, isn't she? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's another thing. This band have reformed. I know. They've had an album out in the last couple of years. Yeah. If you want to... I was going to say, the true horror of it, go and get the biggest and the best, the video. I remember seeing the, the video on MTV, right? And it's the first... And it, I bought, I, so I bought this record off the, back, <laughs> off the back of this single, right? Because it was the 90s. And Which I single, sorry? Biggest and the best. Biggest and the best. And oh, the, yeah, the yeah. video is him... Boxing a, a small child. What? He's having a boxing match against a small child. I'm the biggest, the best, better than the rest, better than the rest, and fighting like a little, like an actual little kid in a boxing ring. I, I, I bet he would claim that was a metaphor of some kind I or mean, some bullshit. I, 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 at first, I wanted, I was going to give them a bit of a free pass because I was like, well, they are Swedish and English isn't their first language. But then I thought about it, and Swedish people generally, their, their grasp of English is incredibly good. So no, there's no excuse. No, this is this is absolutely appalling. I mean, if there, there would be no excuse for this if you were a tribe untouched by human civilization in the <laughs> like in the, the the like the wilds of some forest, and the first time someone from like Western culture ever came to you and asked you to do a rap you'd still come up with something better than oh, this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, shit. Did you notice all of the band references in Crazy? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. There's a song it. called Crazy. Yeah. Right? I've I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do the rapping because you have wounded oh, me. Oh, come on. You've, no, you've wounded me quite badly and I want, I want, <laughs> to, I want to ensure that everyone hears the references. But um, maybe you can tick these off as we go, actually. Yeah, go on. So, uh, I've got one hot minute of the higher ground. Oh, that's a red hot chili pepper. Very good. It? And like Simon said, I know the silence is the sound. Oh no, <laughs> that wasn't good. Was it? How, I've, I definitely have listened to this song. I, I've got to be honest, in listening back to this record, I skip quite a lot of it. Oh God, yeah. Oh, yeah. crazy, crazy is like two and a half minutes, and the chorus just goes, "I'm going fucking crazy." Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> it's fucking awful. Um, never mind. I'll reach Nirvana if I have to pay. Uh, I'm a fool for a lifetime and a king for a day. Don't do this. <laughs> There's more. Um, I'm looser looking for the gold. I don't know what that is. But in the Garden of Sound, you know the story's getting old. I wish I was dead. <laughs> so I'll, so this is great, this one. So I'll sow my corn by the helmet in the bush. Uh, Doesn't even make sense oh, as a lyric. And in the meantime, I want you all to help me push. Uh, push what? I don't know. Um, with the tool of intolerance. See, your favourite band? I'm ready to crack. Looks like Stephen's ready to crack. Because I've got suicidal tendencies. So let's get back. I don't know. And take a roller coaster ride to the bizarre side. Shit. That has made me want to join Al Qaeda. <laughs> 
I don't think Al Qaeda have a problem with the Swedish, do they? <laughs> no. I just want to blow myself up. Um, fucking hell. Yeah. I'm insane rubbish. in the brain like a lo- loony tune. No, I can't take any more. And I'll free. see you on the dark side of the moon. Yeah. I'm the man in the box locked up in chains. No, I don't want to hear And I'm buried this. deep down underneath the remains. No, 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 no. This is really bad. Especially, like... It's fucking awful, isn't it? It's fucking awful. I should never have given you this. I'm very sorry. And this is exactly the reason why people maintain that metal was shit in the 90s. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't. No. It's just, there was odd records like this. Yeah. Which people remember because of their sheer shitness. Yeah. I mean, this uh, makes Stuck Mojo sound like fucking (laughs) Master of Puppets. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, it, it is absolutely unbelievably rubbish. But they're back. Um, so if uh, Clawfingers PR's listening, if we could have tickets to their shows, so <laughs> yeah, oh god, mercilessly de- rip the piss I out actually, of that as well. There's something about these bands like playing in 2018. I, I would, I think I'd go and watch Clawfinger. Why do you think they refought? Do you think they went? Oh, loads of other people are doing it and managing to make actually some decent money out of it. I think we, I think it's time for us to come back. Oh, I don't know. Everyone's reforming now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But I, I, I can't help but think it must be like a cynical, that kind of what? cash cap. <laughs> How dare I suggest such a thing? The art, are you questioning the artistic integrity of the members Zapped of Clawfinger? Um, yes. Um, I, it's just the biggest, I mean... It was. N- it-, <laughs> it wasn't good then. No. Do you know what I mean? It was- the thing is that I I haven't listened to this for about twenty years, and I remember going, "Oh, this was shit, wasn't it?" I'll give, and then it sort of. I was thinking, what shit album can I give Renfrey? And then I was like, <laughs> he has definitely hasn't listened to. It. And I was like, I probably hasn't listened to Clawfinger. And then when I went back and listened to it, which I have to say, I probably listened to about five or six songs on it. Yeah, I listened to all fifteen. <laughs> fifteen as well. Oh, there's, yeah, there's three bonus tracks. Fifteen yeah. songs. <laughs> I bought it with a bonus like um, CD-ROM as well. Do you remember that? It used to come with a CD-ROM. Oh, was there a screensaver on it? Probably, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I never used them ever. They were shit. Uh, but actually, when you put that in your CD player, it sounded better. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I listen to this on Spotify and I don't have Spotify free, so adverts come on and it's the only time that I've actually been relieved when the adverts have come on on Spotify. So... I think ever it is staggeringly bad yep. and if you haven't heard it out of the sheer masochistic hilarity that you have to put yourself through to try and oh, get yeah, some yeah. sort of pleasure out of listening to Clawfinger I mean, even if it's just it just isn't the first track <laughs> I don't believe in the God I get down on my knees yeah, please listen to it I mean please pirate it because we don't want to encourage them yeah um, but, get on uh, YouTube we don't have to <laughs> yeah don't, don't you know even giving them 0.006p per play is too much for this but um yeah it, it is it's worth checking out if you want to chuckle i laughed a lot mm. listening to this but then it just went on and on and on <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a prison I, sentence I'm, was, fucking horrible. I'm not sure i've ever got to the end of it i think that might have been one i of had the to things. listen to it in three sittings because i couldn't it was funny and mm. then i started feeling like i was cracking up Mm. With like like in the in an insane asylum or something like yeah. that, and then I uh, I just it wasn't pleasant. It uh, in three minute bursts, it's hilarious, but uh, no. no. So there you go. That's Clawfinger by Clawfinger. It's fucking rubbish. It's fucking um, next week, I'm going to give you since we're talking about Canadian punk. Mm-hmm. I know this is one Canadian punk band that we we're not going to be covering on this week's show. So let's cover them next week. 
Grades, head first straight to hell. Have you heard that record? Which grade record have I heard? Probably under the radar, because that's one yes. of, that would be the one that okay, I, so I have absolutely not heard love. that one. Okay. So yeah, grade um, under the radar is one of my top twenty favorite records ever made by anyone ever. Wow. Okay. It is amazing, but I'm aware that you've heard it. The follow up to it is a very very different record. Ah. Okay. So I would like you to listen to that. Head first straight to hell. Got a bit of Iron Maiden gallop on it. I think you'll like it. Really? Mm. That is not what I'd expect from grade, but okay. Uh, Head first straight to hell. I am giving you... Have you heard the debut album by Wild Throne called Harvest of Darkness? I think I might have done a long time ago. Shit. But only about once. I don't remember anything about it. I'll give you that. Yeah. That's all right then, isn't it? That's I'm fine. giving you Wild Throne. I think it came out 2014, 2015, something like that. Uh, Ross Robinson produced. Yeah. Three piece. Mm. Sadly split up. I won't say any more than that. Okay, good. All right, there you go. So next week, Head First Straight to Hell by Grade and Wild Thrones. What's it called again? Harvest of Darkness. Harvest of Darkness. Yeah, I've heard that once. I'm sure I have. Let's do a few reviews. And as it is Canadian Punk Week, we could have started with Echo and the Bunnymen, who are um, certainly the biggest band that we're going to be in terms of profile. They are yep. the biggest band that we'll be reviewing this week of the three albums that we're doing. Yep. But as we seem to be doing this Canadian thing, one of the reasons uh, I've decided to put Fucked Up first is because they are the Ontario punk rock band... Um, of that name what that was weird wasn't it <laughs> like yeah they're they're a canadian punk band and i'm just trying to keep but this are, but, are, but are they and i'm, I'm not disputing i'm not Ontario? disputing whether they're from they're from canada mm. are they a punk band stephen well, hill well yeah they are a punk band definitely. yes but are they um they but they are they're lots of things there's mm. and i think this record we're talking about um your... Yeah, so the album's called Dose Your Dreams. The first one since 2014's Glass Boys. Yeah. Um, it's a double album. It's a double. Well, I only really know the chemistry of Common Life. That's oh, really? the only album of Fucked Ups that I've oh. ever really got into and um which i thought was decent and i i and but not really decent enough to to fully justify the hype that was surrounding it at the time. Oh, really? I okay, didn't, okay. I, love I that, didn't think. And as such I basically checked out on Fucked Up and I never went into... I know David Comes to Life I was is say, considered... Yeah. David Comes to Life is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which is a sort of rock opera thing. And I think this is kind of a follow-up to it. This is taking the same lead character from that record. Yeah. Um, that was sort of set in a Thatcherite early 80s uh, Britain, wasn't 70s it? 70s and 80s yeah. England, spread mm. over 18 tracks over four acts. Mm. Um, like, really interesting narrative, which has, like... Uh, uh, unreliable narrators and stuff like that and meta uh, meta fiction style stuff is crazy it's a mm. really amazing record um and this is certainly the closest stylistically fucked up have come to that because this is a double record again yeah. it's 18 tracks isn't it 18 um, tracks eight, just under 90 minutes yeah just under yeah the 82 something like mm-hmm. that i think mm-hmm. um very so, eclectic. Yeah, it's about a, the same lead character, apparently, um, yeah. who uh, basically the story on it is he quits his job and then goes out and meets a female shaman who takes him on a kind of Matrix-style trip into an alternate psychedelic universe. So it's quite a bonkers concept for a yeah, record yeah, before crazy. we start. Um, 
They're an- Do you want to kick off this one, yeah. Renfrey? Well, I think they're an enormously experimental band, as mm-hmm. it is. I mean, you know, we've talked about... Um, We've talked about um, David's oh, fuck, comes to life. David comes to life. Um, like they've released. Have you seen how many like singles and EPs they've released? They've released some. They release like a single or an EP pretty much every other month or something. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. yeah, and they've released like a series of singles that are inspired by the Zodiac. You know, um, you know, which is like just pig, dog. You know, fucking octopus. Yeah. Octopus is not a sign of the Zodiac. Um, so. And not only are they a really experimental band, but this is quite possibly the most experimental record from this band. It's their fifth album. Yeah, I wondered how far in terms of experimentation they had gone previously before this, because I've read a few reviews of it, and they're saying this is definitely the furthest that it's been pushed. I would say so, yeah. It's the most experimental. I've heard every fucked up record bar the debut i think um but i've heard i've heard a large portion of what they've done and Mm -hmm. and for my money this is the most experimental thing they've done i think it's the most diverse thing they've ever done the reason i kind of questioned at the beginning i mean for the record i do think fucked up are a punk band but i almost don't want to sell them as that because i understand that some people have an idea of what punk is which Mm. is very incorrect <laughs> and <Well>, wrong <laughs> i mean this is um kind of the kernel of my entire opinion about this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's punk in attitude and spirit and experimentation and doing what the hell they want it's i think it's their most challenging record but i think probably it's their most rewarding as well i'm only putting that probably there because we've not had it all that long and obviously it's a very long record and i have not entirely got to grips with it yet because my god is it dense and there's a whole lot of stuff going on Mm. um and it's so so varied i mean it's so varied Mm. but somehow wonderfully fits all together i'm not quite sure how they've managed to do it yet um i i really i but just thinking about it makes me want to listen to it more um Um, yeah. yeah one moment it's incredibly abrasive and um, you've got Father Damien, who's basically their screaming screamer vocalist, who's you know who's got this amazing presence about him. Um, but it's also backed up by um, quite a lot by some um, female vocals uh, from their bassist, I'm just trying, uh, Sandy Sandy Miranda, I think her mm-hmm. name is. She does these amazing back- backing vocals on a lot of their songs, and when those two are working together, I feel like this record is you know really 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 strong um songs like raise your voice joyce and uh tell me what you see and stuff like that um but in terms of the amount of you know we were talking earlier about 21 pilots i mean this is very far from 21 pilots but in terms of like genres and stuff it's relevant though i think it's definitely relevant because like how many different (laughs) genres does this album pick up i mean so we describe it we're describing it as a punk record and they're describing them as a punk band but the title track sounds like the stone roses Mm. um it's this psychedelic really funky um kind of you know there's ian brown vibes as well you know one of the records you gave me there's lots of strings going on in there it's a funky wah-wah with with riff um these almost like whispered vocals uh which feels very sort of damien uh feels very ian brown to me and then damien ramps up the vocals and starts screaming and stuff and then a choir 
comes in and just ends the song and it's fucking sublime like it's better <laughs> i say it sounds like the stone roses i mean i know i've confessed i'm not a massive stone roses fan but in my eyes this out this song is better than anything the stone roses it sounds like done. the bronx cross with lcd sound system crosses the flaming lips that's a great shout like. yeah <laughs> yeah there we go that's um, a great shout and you know that's just one song <clears throat> then there's like there's saxophone on this record quite a lot there's a brilliant children's choir singing i don't want to live in this world anymore at the end of i don't want to live in this world anymore um there's this brilliant song towards the end of the record called how to die happy which sounds like a slow dive song it's like this woozy shoegazy uh song with this canadian musician called alice hansen on vocals it's fucking beautiful i mean if slow dive released it no one would bat an eyelid and yet it's it's punctuated by all these really furious jaunty punky riffy songs as well i I mean i I don't i i i I haven't yet got to grips with this record but i know it's incredible (laughs) i know it's amazing it's certainly without any shadow of a doubt the most ambitious record i've heard this year without any question oh and that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best record of the year no no but it is the best record of the year by a country fucking mile. You think this is this the best record is of the year? the best record of the year. Full stop. Put a fork in it. It is done. You may not have listened to it very much. I've listened to it about 20 times. Wow. I have not been able to stop listening to it. When we put this podcast together, there's a greater sort of thing at work here. Um, sorry to spoil our top 20 albums of the <laughs> I year. I was going to say, podcast, you spoil that slightly. I'm sorry, I, there's no point in me even pretending that wow. I thought this was... Uh, to be, like, I love it when a record like this comes along. Yeah. Because they're a band who I know of and I've ne- had no kind of massive expectation from at all. I've heard that other album. It wasn't enough to kind of, you know, throughout all the hype, it wasn't really enough to get me that excited about it i love it when a band comes along who either i haven't heard of or who i don't really know that much about or i have sort of very limited expectations for i do i do think this is a better record than the chemistry of life i think it's called and that what that won the polaris prize which is like the canadian grammys so. so when we put this this idea for this podcast together my kind of um my kind of idea behind it um was that I don't believe that the genre infighting and the specifications of what people like about music, I don't believe they exist in the way that people think they exist. I don't like hearing people like, you know, people have denied from sort of rock and punk have said the idols album isn't punk because it doesn't sound like green day and they've got a mustache and they play on jules holland and they're on six music and all these kind of abstract meaningless things that have nothing to do with whether or not that album is actually any good and people from the rock world have an inverse snobbery about um music that isn't traditionally rock or metal minded People from the indie world and people from kind of alternative guitar music and more kind of popular guitar music have an obvious snobbery and thumb their nose at punk and metal and hardcore. And, you know, if you're listening to the vaccines and you're sort of poo-pooing a band like Mastodon or Gojira, you're a fucking idiot, right? And I just think those two attitudes was something that I really, really, really wanted to address and challenge and go, do you know what? I love the Pet Shop Boys. 
I love the Pet Shop Boys as much as I love Converge. I love the fact that this is a band, that, that they're a band who are willfully experimental within pop music, who write these, who create this universe that is wildly fantastical and brilliantly technicolor and day glow and write these incredible, beautiful melodies. And I love that. And there's nothing wrong with loving that. And then there's nothing wrong with loving the dirt and the grit and the technical kind of flourishing and the pure, like physical kinetic anger of what punk rock mm. and hard, heavy, hard hitting music can do. And the idea of this podcast to me was always to go, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Mm. Those two things can coexist together and you can appreciate both those things. You don't have to be like some underground elitist. Oh, well, no, I like rock music, so I'm different to normal people who listen to Six Music and who, who li- watch Jules Holland. And, you know, I, I'm I'm underground, I'm different, I'm better to them. No, you're not. And you don't have to be this like, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a serious thinking person's pitchfork reading person. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, bother with the death tones or like i wouldn't bother with like you know corn or something metal bands do you know or kill switch engage or whatever mm. like oh they're stupid music like you don't have to be <clears throat> either one of those things yeah. you can be everything you don't have and, to be in one camp or the other yeah exactly and i have not heard a record that sums that up better than this maybe ever I think certainly since we've been going, or definitely certainly since, this year. Yeah, um, in terms of kind of modern, because to me, this reminds me of Tommy by The Who. Yeah. This reminds me of The I, I listened to The Wall by Pink Floyd. It's the uh, only other album I've been able to listen to all the way through without wanting to stop and yeah. and listen to, to this album. Yeah. I've listened to this album since it came out on Friday, between at least 16 maybe pushing 20 times i listened to it three times on the trot the first time that 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 it came out the first time i put it on i listened to it three times back to back just sat in my chair i've been late for work getting up in the morning an hour before i have to go to work to listen to it and just staring at the speakers going what the fuck is going on i listen to it before i go to bed i listen to it when i'm making a cup of tea i have just listened to it and the first time you hear it, it is a bewildering mishmash yeah. of genres and styles and Bewildering is, is a very good word, yeah, but and, you, you do yeah. need to give it time. I think, yeah, and definitely. moods and feelings. and But there's something just so exciting about all of it. Like, it is heavy. And, you know, I know the, the guitarist, um, Ben Halichuk, has kind of taken the reins. And I know there's been a lot of chat of him saying that he decided he wanted the band to do more that he felt like fucked up could do more. And I think, you know, like this is kind of, uh, I think this is artistically speaking, this is his baby. But I think you mentioned it earlier, Damien's personality, um, Damien's voice within these songs, when you have these piano ballads, when you have these kind Mm. of pop hooks, when you have these jaunty kind of, rocky horror picture show like what's the one that um living in simulation oh yeah which just sounds like the best song that's not on the rocky horror picture show but when you've got damien's voice giving it grit and giving it like real like aggression like that proper aggression that punk rock is like you get everything from this record Mm. i think it scratches every single musical itch that you could possibly ever wish to be scratched and um and you know the the run of I mean particularly I think the way it's, the first nine songs mm-hmm. every single one of the first nine songs are like ten out of ten 
brilliant mm. if it was just the first nine you'd be like this album is incredible and then like you say it goes to somewhere like you know there is I, that I, little I, I prefer if this is you know if i'm listening to this on cd i prefer the second disc to the first disc if i'm honest really i, 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 I don't think the first disc is bad at all um it just struck me that with most albums are front-loaded particularly double albums yeah and uh this struck me as a i couldn't recall another double album off the top of my head which was back not back loaded but you know i i i think the second half is 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 my favorite personally well i mean i you know i love both i I don't i mean i absolutely i don't disagree with you at all i just Mm, think that mm. like it flies at you yeah it flies at you in those first nine tracks and then it takes it down a bit and then you get to like i've read a lot of stuff about mechanical ball yeah. Which is where they go, oh, it's too much. Like, I've read a lot, a few of it. I've been reading a lot of the reviews because yeah. I was like, I've, can I really go on this show four days after this record's come out and just go, this is a this is a masterpiece. This is like, if we were to do a, a retro, like already it's been out four days and I'm already like, well, if we did a retrospective of the 10 best albums of the decade, I would consider this to be in the running mm. for like the best album of the entire decade. After four days, I feel like that. Four fucking days. And mm. I, you know, like maybe I, I feel like I hear something new every single time and that's why I can't stop listening to it. And, but when you get to me, like I've, and I've read some of the reviews, as I said about, you know, oh, mechanical bull, it goes a bit too, that's where it goes a bit too much and it just becomes white noise and blah, 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 blah. And I think mechanical bull is such, Excellent. like yeah. it's after, so as you say, after those kind of slow dive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really kind of melancholic, really kind of um, uh, crystalline um, floaty tracks, mm. you get this fucking absolute like onslaught of, electronic noise and again with punk rock like it's genuinely punk rock it's destruction but using a totally different skill set to what you think about when i say the word punk rock Mm, mm, i mean it's classy and kitsch and heavy and beautiful sometimes in the space of a couple of minutes. minutes yeah yeah and it's it's fucking unbelievable i definitely agree that it's um one of the most it's one of the most creatively interesting records of the year i need to listen to it a lot more um because it is a vast i mean it's a vast epic of a record yeah um and i feel like i've only just begun to scratch the surface and the the thought and the idea of listening to it more is genuinely really exciting i'm kind of glad that we're getting to a stage in the year where records are you know there's a there's a couple more weeks of record big releases and then it starts to slow down a bit mm. and i'm like thank fuck because i'll be, be able to actually take this record in properly um and another thing i feel like you know i feel like i've been a bit of a broken record the last couple of weeks i've been talking about how records are too long and all this kind of thing well there's been a lot of records that have been far too long this album's 82 minutes right and i have to admit my first uh, you know, I, I I'm a big fan of fucked up, so I I I trusted them. But my first, my initial response was like, oh, not a fucking double album after you know some of the long records that we've had in the last few weeks. This flies by, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, it flies it, by because it's, it's so varied and there's so much going on uh, with it that it doesn't get boring. It doesn't sound samey. Probably twice the length of. Um, 
that high on fire record that we reviewed um, last week. It's not, no, it's at least not half quite, an hour, but probably it's about half, about an, half an hour longer. About half an hour yeah, longer yeah. than the high on fire record. Yeah. And it feels like, it feels like an EP compared to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm 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 sorry to just sort of I mean probably you're like going oh bloody hell you've gone a bit kind of ultra hyperbole <laughs> but I have just been glued to this record I think it's absolutely glued to it and now I feel like th- there's that like I say that run it just it doesn't stop it, it really reminds me of the wall like I think the wall we're going to do a thing I like to, uh, to just sort of chime in really quickly we were talking before the show and um, and this inspired me because we will be we're going to start doing kind of retrospectives on older albums and with mm. the first one we're going to do is the wall which i listened to today the wall was one of my is, is one of the best albums ever made ever and i honestly don't think this is a million miles away having played them back to back i genuinely think that this is not this is within touching distance of the wall mm. it's it's this is a 10 out of 10 absolute masterpiece of a record it is a fucking masterpiece i think it's absolutely in the same i actually wrote in my notes it's in the same mold and the same lineage as uh the white album the wall yeah physical graffiti melancholy and the infinite sadness the fragile and Mm. lift your skinny fist to like antenna to heaven Uh, it's got speedy black emperor record in that it's a double record which is so diverse and has so much going on um, and it's you know initially it's really difficult to penetrate I mean physical graffiti took me a few y- years if I'm honest to really get mm. get into it um, and a lot of those records did The Fragile is now my favourite Nine Inch Nails album but you know it, it took a long time before it became my favourite favorite Nine Inch Nails record and I think this is one of those records which will keep giving you something year upon year upon year upon year so I don't bulk, personally I don't bulk at all when you say that it's your favourite album of the year that totally makes sense to me mm. what upsets me is I think in this time of music moving along so quickly and like everything's free and like you can you can you know listen to a new album in a week's time and all that sort of thing I wonder if this will get lost in and amongst because fucked up <laughs> it doesn't help that their name is fucked up so there's only a certain size they can get to anyway mm. and they are a band who are always kind of critically appraised quite well. I mean, the only record that I can think of off the top of my head, their last album had a, f- a couple of sniffy reviews, but other than that, critically, they've done incredibly well throughout their career. Mm. Um, but I think because they're so experimental and so interesting, such an interesting, you know, sextet um, and, 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 and what they bring to this I mean, it isn't even this genre. It's just what they bring to music, really. And I do think they've made an album within that lineage. I was thinking about other double records that have come out this decade. Uh, Stone Sour? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I, I was going to ask you... Uh, how it compares to stuff that's come out either this decade or this millennium but it sounds like well, how, does, how, does it, how does it compare to the fragile do you think which is 99 technically um or is it too well, it's very to very say? different yeah, to the yeah, fragile yeah, 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 i mean yeah. i don't think that is actually uh, it is a comparison because they're both double records yeah, that's, that's, but the fragile is not a concept record the fragile is not an opera i mean yeah. damien is clearly portraying david yeah and i mean yeah. damien's only like, he's probably 
I would say between two thirds and three quarters of this record, yeah. he fronts the band. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like other characters come in. And you know, it was something I There's said loads about, of guests. And I said it's something record, I said about Kohi yeah. last night, not last last night, last week. Yeah. The Code in Cambria record, right? Which you can tell is very cinematic. And I've I very you know, I like that record. Like, mm. I you know, I I know you guys weren't so keen on it. I actually do really yeah, yeah, like that record. Yeah. I've listened to it this week while we were kind of, um, you know, after after we recorded last week's show, I've, I've still continued to listen to it. I actually really like it. But I've never been able to follow the story that Coheed and Cambria are putting on the Amory Wars. I've never been able to follow it. I've, I've, I've always gone, this is very cinematic and it, and I can tell that there, there is something going on in the ether which yeah. is grander than just, this is a sort of prog rock song. Yeah. Whereas this... The world, by the sort of fifth or sixth listen, I was following it along like a story. Like I felt like I could pick out a narrative. I felt like I could pick out um, uh, kind of characters, different characters. Mm. I felt like they, like Coheed, as I say, they paint a picture yeah. very well. Yeah. To me in this fucked up, they don't just paint the picture, they bring it to life. They 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 absolutely encapsulate everything that they're trying to encapsulate in terms of m- making this and it's an, it, this is an opera yeah. this isn't like the fragile the fragile is a, a brilliant double album of songs with no kind of that that is very well linked together but is not actually really it there's a there's obviously i think there's a theme to it i think it's thematically there is a point to it but it, structurally um there's no there's no actual narrative to it in the same way as there are people and there are characters and there are intentions yeah, and there true. are yeah, yeah, moments yeah. that happen in this where you go, well, that's that. Mm. And it's one of the first times I, I, I can, I can, I can tell it on the wall. I can follow the story on the wall and maybe I'm just a bit stupid, but <laughs> because I can't follow like concept that like even Antichrist Superstar, everyone says, oh, you know, you can kind of tell the story. And I was like, uh, not, really. not really but you can on this and you can yeah. on the wall and you kind of can on Tommy for the most of it as well mm. but it's got that thing that those three albums are, like those albums are like you say wildly experimental and just such a leap of faith and I, I honestly like the first time I listened to it I put it on, I saw it was 18 tracks and I went, oh man, fucking hell. Like, I, did yeah. so I thought, oh, that so was just I, a bloody a punk album. Yeah, and yeah. by the end of the first listen, after about four or five tracks, I was like, fucking hell, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then as we got on, I was like, well, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, I was just like hanging on every word of it. Yeah. And I just pressed play immediately. And the second time round, it sounded even better. And at this point, at this point, I feel like I'm picking out different voices coming from different... Yeah parts of the story in different parts if you listen to this on a good pair of headphones mm. it's like it's like some sort of four-dimensional experience of being in that world yeah honestly i i feel like maybe i'm overselling it to people but i i think this album is just like a 10 out of 10 all-time modern classic i certainly don't think it lets up and i can't think of many double records where that's the case um i think it is brilliant throughout i mean it's very varied which which might mean that you may not like every single track 
depends how varied your own music taste is but everyone thinks that they have incredibly varied but they're brilliant at everything though (laughs) yeah they're brilliant at all of it that's the thing fucked up are really amazing like you say they do the the shoegazy stuff is brilliant really good the sort of 70s glam rock stuff is brilliant the just straight ahead punk is brilliant like the kind of hardcore bits are brilliant like there's not loads of just kind of straight ahead punk rock in it but you know the sort of trumpety horns oh, jazz set sax on this bits on it. Yeah. the piano part i mean yeah. what's the the, the the way the kind of this hammond organ comes in on um uh at the start of what is the name of the song that's got that kind of hammond organ because i've uh normal people um, oh yeah that's the single yeah the kind of the crescendo mm. that that builds to where it starts off quite just kind of really like acid jazz and mm-hmm. then builds to this crescendo it's fucking so good yeah it's a phenomenal album it, 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 the whole record starts with two minute a beautiful two minute piano intro mm. before going fucking mental but like it's 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 incredible and I I, I want to get my claws into it a lot more than I have. And um, I suspect everything you're saying. Su- yeah, I suspect this is a modern classic. I've heard the whole thing four times, which isn't enough for me to go to, to make that absolute stamp. Yes, that it is. It's definitely the most, it, it's probably fucked up best, fucked up's best record. I think mm. probably um cool that's exciting to me yeah yeah it probably is i haven't had a chance to listen to um david comes to life yet, well i was so. gonna say it's between this and david comes to life i think yeah um and this is probably their best but but even then uh, but i you know i I've, i need to delve into it even more i think it's a phenomenal record and i definitely been, we've been putting our top 20s of the year together quite recently and i think I'm pretty surprised if this doesn't make an entrance in it because it's so and I'm glad you brought up like what we're trying to do with Riot Act because this record does encapsulate it pretty damn well I think it absolutely does it Um, it, it feels like a godsend to me like it just was when people go oh are you this or are you that it's like just listen to this this is is what we are yeah yeah, I think that's pretty good actually Um, is it your favourite double album of the last, let's say, 10, 20 years. 20 nah, years. Lulu, innit? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't think of many others off the top of my head, so... Bearing in mind everything that I've just said about I've only heard it four times, mm. the only double albums off the top of my head I can think of that I prefer to this that have come out recently mm. are Muscle Memory by Jamie Lemon. Yeah, yeah, that's a good album. And I think I prefer this, though. Fair Play. And Yellow and Green by Baroness. <sighs> Oh, yeah, that's good. I think I would still plump for this over that. Wow, okay. I mean, I mm. think Yellow and Green is Baroness's masterpiece, which is not a oh, popular it, opinion. But mm, I think it's an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, but It is really, really brilliant. But this is like... I was, I was just trying to think about it. I was like, this is probably my third favourite double album of the millennium. <laughs> right. Off the top of my head. Um, it's Opposites by Billy Clyro, Billy Clyro, Biffy Clyro as well, which I... I, that wouldn't be in it for me. No. Um, but in terms of the most ambitious, this is probably the most ambitious double record of the millennium. Yeah. I reckon. So. It's quite good. There Do you, you prefer go. it to Clawfinger? <laughs> yeah, I think eight seconds of, eight seconds of this has got more <laughs> imagination <laughs> yeah. and passion and intelligence 
and craft in it than Clawfinger's entire back catalogue yeah, put I would, together. I would actually agree. Yeah. So there you go. The album is called Dose Your Dreams. The band are called Fucked Up. And if you have any interest in challenging yourself and listening to music which will shock and surprise and move you in more than just one singular way you owe it to yourself to go and listen to this record because i'm telling you right now this will be playing on my stereo until the day i die frankly after that review if you don't bother to check out this record, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> listening to this, like, really, why are you listening to this? It's really, like, it's really something. Yeah, you yeah. really, really do need to check this out. Mm. So anyway, let's move on to Echo and the Bunny Men. Their album is called "The Stars, the Ocean, and the Moon." It is the thirteenth record of the Liverpool legends of sorts. I would say because this is one of those kind of reimagining albums. Oh, sorry, right. I thought you leg- I thought you meant legends of sorts. Well, no, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, legend, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I legend. think they're legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those ones where bands decide to get together and they re-record their old songs, reinterpret their old material. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> just re-record. <laughs> sometimes I think now a bunch of bands have done this over the years, and there have been times where I think, "What's the fucking point?" And there have been times where I think. Oh, that's, I can see why you're doing that. Anthrax are the ones that immediately spring to mind. Um, the Greater of Two Evils is probably my favourite Anthrax record. It's all the good songs from the Joey Belladonna era, all the best songs that Anthrax ever wrote. Recorded by John Bush, isn't it? But re-recorded yeah, yeah, yeah. by a much better vocalist in yeah, John Bush. Yeah. Um, with a beefier production, that kind of tickety 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 uh, 80s thrash production is out the window. And the band that Anthrax had become at that point, a much more meatier, stompier, groovier, heavy metal band, kind of yeah. hard rock, hard rocky heavy metal band with John Bush fronting them, uh, re-recorded Metal Thrashing Mad and NFL and um, et cetera, et cetera. And the results were better versions of already very, very good songs, yeah. for, for my opinion. So It does work sometimes. It can work. Yeah, um, mm. Manchester Orchestra did a brilliant version of their album Hope uh, called Cope, uh, mm. which, oh no, sorry, I think it's the other way around. Sorry, the brilliant version of their album Cope called Hope, yep. uh, which is just a beautiful reimagination of that record. I actually prefer um, the reimagined version to the previous. Uh, Beach Slang earlier this year did a really great record called Quiet Slang, where it was just their record, their songs, but reinterpreted. Really beautiful, really, really mm. good. Um, as a matter of fact, released the same day as this came out uh ttng uh redid animals as an acoustic record so right, okay. which is pretty decent as well well so sometimes it can work i mean they are all kind of reimaginings of their songs yes. uh, and they are done in a different way although yes. when you consider that the core of echo and the bunny men is and sort of always has been ian mcculloch and will Sargent, who are now the band those two are the only kind of full-time members yeah. of echo and the bunny men um, it feels like a little bit of an odd time to do this. Well, do you know why it's come about? Uh, no, I don't. It's the band's 40th anniversary. Ah, right, okay. So it's the band's 40th anniversary, and um, BMG, uh, within their record contract at some point, when they signed them, the label had a plan for them to re-record their old classics with an orchestra. Oh. Which sounds like it would have been much more interesting yeah than what we have yeah which so we should do a very quick uh uh 
I, I should very quickly say that Steve is a Echo and the Bunnymen fan. I am, yeah. I know the big songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but a lot of these reimaginings that I listen to, I have not heard the original versions. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, we're we're coming at this from a different perspective. Mm. But from the songs that I do know the originals to, it appears that they seem to be doing more or less the same thing, uh, which is every time, which is just playing them on piano and that's a i mean am i being harsh there no, with not. some strings you like it's very i wouldn't say that that's the entire record but but they do resort to that a lot i feel yeah i mean actually there is a bit of that yeah i mean in actual fact this is just sort of slightly i think the problem i have with this record is that these songs are great the originals of these songs pretty much every single song on this record if you were to listen to the, if this was an echo and the bunny men best of best of mm. and it was the originals and we were sitting here talking about is this any good or not you go yeah every song on this record is mm. fucking great every song right um now what they've done with them they just sound a bit slower essentially yeah they sound a bit slower and they're sung slightly differently i mean if you take probably I would say it might be a bit of an obvious choice, but my the, the my favourite Echo and the Bunnymen song probably is the Cutter, which is you know a massive sort of anthem for them, and um and it's wicked. And you listen to the original, and it kind of it chimes and it throbs with that kind of austere, stark um sort of chrome eighties production, and it makes it sound really threatening. Whereas the version that you get on this record. It's still good. It's just, it sounds more like The Killers than Echo and the Bunnymen. Because uh, right, okay. modern production has given it. I mean, it's funny, actually, when, when we were ch- talking about Echo and the Bunnymen in sort of relation to where they sit amongst Depeche Mode and Duran Duran a couple of yeah. weeks ago. And I was like, well, they're not really like Depeche Mode and they're not really like Duran Duran. And then you listen to that version of The Cutter and you go, well, fucking hell, actually, they, they do sound a bit like Depeche Mode on that. And they've never really... Mm. felt like one of those bands before to me it leans a lot on the synth on that song and it that song didn't need redoing Mm. it didn't need redoing the the original of it was perfect and they've not really done anything with it i mean the kill obviously the killing moon is their biggest song yeah by some distance i would say and um and there's a piano ballad remix of it it's piano and strings yeah. I mean that is one of the classic examples of what, yeah. you know they've they've it's played on piano there's some nice strings in the background um McCulloch's voice is uh far more front front and center in the mix mm. on these mm. and um I mean I hope I'm not s- saying anything out of turn I I I wouldn't say McCulloch isn't the greatest vocalist in the world or anything like that but I don't think his voice is I did AB to both versions of the Killing Moon and um, whatever the first track is as well, because I recognise that as well. Bring on the dancing horse. That's the one. Mm. And um, I do feel, you know, and this is natural age and all that sort of thing, but I do feel his voice is, well, it's not what it used to be. No, it isn't. So no. putting his voice front and centre in the mix and making it a very, very um, uh, l- loud, very focused part of the song 
maybe at this point in his career is maybe not the wisest thing to do. No, he's 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 definitely. It feels like he's struggling on a few of them. Yeah, like um, it's not. Te- it's not. I don't want to. It's not terrible at all. No, no. It's, I, just, it's just like the version of nothing that nothing ever lasts forever um, on here is um, is quite difficult to listen to. I think is. Okay. Um, and then lips like again, lips like sugar is such a fucking like the the original of it is so so brilliant. Mm. And on here, it's just there's a plod where it used to kind of where it used to kind of bristle. There's a bit of a plod to it now, and you know some of them work all right. You know, I think actually the the there's two new songs on here. Um, one's called the Somnambulist, which is a, a really good song. I mean, I think as as I a, quite like the new tunes. I thought they were yeah pretty good. They you know with the kind of without any kind of weight of history or expectation upon yeah. them. I think they or knowing that they could sound better. I think they actually the the two new songs and it actually sounded quite yeah, good. The other one's it, how far? How far? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Um, right. and they they they're good songs. And I think actually there's a few good versions of you know like there's a um, there's a good version of Ocean Rain. I think it's quite good on here. And I mean they they are really great songs. Mm. but I just don't, I'm not, you just don't need this. Like as someone who, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of interested in your opinion of it a bit more than mine, because my, my opinion for the most part is I don't need this. Like this, this I don't really understand the point of, you've not done that much to them. You're just playing them a bit slower and you don't feel like you're quite as capable of actually performing them in the same way as you were when you were young and hungry it's it's the majority of it just sort of floated past me because i just kept the ma- majority of the time i just felt like this record isn't for me because i don't know the originals mm. uh, i can't help but feel uh, whatever they have done to these songs i mean the ones that i do know i wasn't massively impressed with the reinterpretations and that's kind of the whole point of doing this yeah. exercise isn't it there's very little in the way of reinterpretation to be honest yeah. i like with the i mean the killing moon is one of the few ones where you go oh that is obviously markedly different there's not a really lot- i mean i didn't think it was i was, yeah, guess it it yeah sort of i, I didn't i didn't find it mad different personally it's pretty different okay comparatively Uh, it's 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 the one it's the one that stands out to me as being the one that they've deliberately gone we're not going to do it like wow okay i mean compared to other records that i've heard reinterpreting stuff i don't think they went far enough then and if that's if that's the most if that's the furthest they went in terms of the reinterpretation i'm not i don't i i mean i i they're calling them like transformed. That's yeah, that's the and, term. But I, I was going. Well, you've not. You're just playing them. Mm, mm. Like with the exception of the Killing Moon, which is like say is, is slower and is built on a piano and strings rather than that kind of like, mm. you know, sort of that wicked little. And you lose that. You lose that. Like because I was looking forward to hearing this reimagined version and hearing like you know that kind of. Um, uh, spaghetti western guitar bow down bow down that mm. I was like I want to hear that I wonder what they're going to do with that now because at least like, on, again on the cutter um, they've put loads of sort of synth on it mm. and I was like well at least they've put a bit of and it, it, it's it's a bit different like yeah. it, they've upped the synth yeah. which was there on the original but they've definitely upped it on um, on this one and you know I think, I think as- <laughs> but it's, you know, if you, I, I, like for me, I just thought, well, 
if I'd never heard these songs before, I might walk away going, fucking hell, Lips Like Sugar is a fucking absolute rager. What a, yeah. what a great tune. I, but then it, maybe I, it's A lot I'm, of it went over my head, if I'm totally honest. I, I, I thought it was... I thought it was perfectly pleasant, but then that's not a great thing to say about a record, is it really? Mm. Um, I I mean, in terms of, you know, I feel like this is a bit of an ongoing project in terms of educating me in this sort of 80s new wave synth stuff. Uh, so far, the two bands that we've touched on the most are Depeche Mode and Echo and the Bunnymen, and of the two, I can, based, based on what we've, what you've given me so far, I would definitely choose Depeche Mode over Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, Depeche Mode are definitely better than Echo and the Bunnymen. Right, right, right. In general. Okay. And certainly the album I gave you is like one of Depeche Mode's best records yeah, yeah, against... Yeah, yeah. Against of, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, so it doesn't feel like a fair fight. Although, no, sure, sure. even if it was a fair fight, Depeche Mode is still going to win. <laughs> right, okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, but anyway, listen... I thought it was fine. I didn't, you know, I didn't yeah. dislike it. I didn't... I didn't... I thought it was... There were some nice moments on it. Mm. It's too long. It's 64 minutes. So I thought it went on a bit long. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm. Um, you know, it was It was fine. There was, there was... There were good... There were good bits on it which made me go, well, this is kind of cool. Well, if if you're one of the people like Renfrey who hasn't listened to Record and the Bunny Men, I would say... You could do a lot worse than going and really? just listening to their um, go and find like their essential playlist or something on Apple Music. Yeah, yeah, and listen yeah. Listen to the yeah, originals yeah, yeah, of this. Yeah. If you want to listen to these songs, you know, if you can, if you get an echo, an echo and a bunny man greatest hits um, album is a is a wonderful, beautiful thing. I'll give you, I'll give them some credit though. Like a lot of bands on their 40th anniversary would just release a greatest hits record, yeah. and at least this is more interesting than that. Um, but not That's, much more. But it's not much more interesting, <laughs> no. really. But anyway, the album is called The Stars, The Oceans and The Moon by a very good band. They are a very, very good band. They're kind of bunny men. Um, just... I'll take your word for it. Yeah. just in, <laughs> Or in the 80s, they were a very good band, anyway, I should say. All right, one last album before we feckin' throw over to the boys <laughs> in a dirty nil. Wildcat Strike, Rhubarb and Nostalgia, their debut album from the Brighton-based quartet. We spoke about it on the 12 Unsung Heroes of 2018. Back on episode one. Yeah. My little one. Oh, we yeah. were so cute. We've done we? 10 oh, since then. Oh, so cute. <laughs> um, now, if you remember... Uh, when we did that, if you have been listening to to that back in the day, um, back in the day, back in the day, ten weeks ago, ten God, weeks remember ago, before uh, the recession? Yeah, <laughs> remember, um, yeah, remember, remember the that good before old days. Brexit came and ruined everything. Um, if well, you don't remember, talk politics, Steve. Oh God, yeah, no. <laughs> if you remember our chat uh, about Wildcat Strike, I thought they had to be a band from Middle America. Yeah, but they're not. They're not at all. Ooh. That is the vibe, though, that I'm getting. I mean, we spoke about it a fair bit in the last show. Um, so, you know, I, I, we were very, very complimentary about the album, which we had at that point um, yeah, we back then. Know, yeah. So yeah. I think w- definitely worth a refresh. Yeah. Um, well, I, I view this as a mixture of the kind of like beautiful lullaby-esque melodies of... Uh, explosions in the sky style mm-hmm. post-rock um mixed with the searing kind of self-introspection of the the the, the 90s emo scene and i'm talking yeah. about the emo scene before the word emo even existed texas is the reason i'm talking about texas is the reason sunny day real estate yeah. um the promise ring braid mineral jets to brazil if if you're going who 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 you know this is this is the music that basically inspired 
Taking Back Sunday, My Chemical Romance, uh, Thursday. Thursday, and all that Jimmy sort of stuff. World. Well, I suppose Jimmy World. Jimmy World. Well, I'd say Jimmy World well, were part of them actually, yeah, but they but they've just kind of you know carried on. I think, um, and that might you know. Emo is a word that suddenly puts off a lot of people and I really don't think it should. No. Um, particularly with those kind of 90s bands because it was a very, very different thing. Like back mm. in those days, they would have just been considered rock bands. Mm. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, whilst I have a clear preference towards those 90s bands to the My Chemical Romances and Taking Back Sundays, I don't want to, you know, bash those bands either because actually I think some of what they did is good Yeah, but there's a certain sheen and polish that was put onto it which I think is what puts people off Yeah, Um, and that sheen and polish was not on it before like you listen to a mineral record and it sounds raw as fuck compared Mm. to you know anything Mike Chemical Romance has done probably bar the first album um, do you want to review this record while we're here as well? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> we are it. <laughs> go, to, go and listen to Mineral. What's the Wildcat Strike album like? Go and listen to Mineral. Um, here's what I'm going to say since you've, you've blown it now, you had your bit, uh, you fucked it. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I thought they were they had to be a kind of American kind of Southwest band. I really, yeah. I genuinely thought because there is so much of that kind of. Um, uh, not necessarily Gaslight Anthem, but certainly I mean, we spoke about Restorations last week, who I yeah. think are part of that scene. And there's a lot of, like you say, that introspective nature to it. And there's a lot going on on it as well. Yeah, there Just is. They've got some really, really interesting um, turns of pace, yeah. uh, which I really, really love. Dynamics. I think even the, the second track, Lemonade, yeah. goes bang, bang in, in two, like takes a real sort of sharp left turn. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's yeah. really, really good. Um, one thing I did notice, and I didn't say it when we were talking about the band before, okay. is... I, the tone of the guitar and the looseness of the way that he plays is really brilliant. Yes. There's a kind of loose, lausch. It, and weirdly, I think having gone deep into his back catalogue when we did the special, there's a touch of Jeff Buckley about okay. the way that he kind of lets that kind of just ring out and then bring it back and lets the guitar almost do its own thing for little little pockets where... It just feels like you hit it to play it and then you just let it do something by itself and whatever comes out comes yeah, out. And I really yeah. love that How kind of... Yeah. It feels like a, a, it's like a very kind of loose, experimental, very organic, um, very uh, in-the-moment sounding record. Mm. It does. It's, it sounds like a, the songs do kind of the tempo sort of shifts yeah and is malleable and that's not that's not you know i know joe the drummer and that is not a uh slight on joe at all i think that is very much intentional no Um, that's that's about that to me that's that's a that's a compliment yes i do mean that's a a chemistry between that to me it feels like that that's musicians who are brave enough to follow each other's instincts exactly and to tap into each other's instincts i think that's a really good thing yeah 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 i think it's wonderful and it's wonderfully evoked on this record and i know that they they recorded this down in um small pond studios down in brighton um and i know that they basically lived there whilst recording it and there's a lot of um like gang vocals and stuff like that and it's there's this big community sense with this Mm. album because that is literally them just inviting their friends in to do vocals and stuff so there's members of um in technicolor and tall ships and delta sleep who do backing vocals on this you know just as and when they could literally they're just walking past the street it's like can you just come in and do this really quickly and then natalie evans is another um uh musician on small ponds who who turns up and does a lot of 
backing vocals on this as well. They got they they originally had a uh, member of the band who plays like all sorts of stuff like almost like hurdy-gurdy and piano and, and slide guitar and stuff like that and it really fattens out what they're doing um but then what i really love about this is the the, the dynamics how it goes from really quiet and really introspective and then just suddenly hits you with this wall of really quite beautiful noise i mean lemonade is a classic example of that when it when it kicks in it's just such a it's beautiful. It's a wash. It mm. just washes over you in this amazingly melancholic kind of. It's it's a it's a shift between beauty and cacophony, basically, mm. which I mm. absolutely love and I think is achieved so amazingly well. Especially considering this is their debut. They've been yeah. around a little while. They've been around. They've been doing bits and pieces since sort of twenty twelve, but. Yeah you can kind of tell that they've been working on putting this together for a while. They've been working on what they do and what how they do it for a long time because yeah. this doesn't... It has the passion and vigour of a debut record, but but also a lot more kind of technique and flair. And um, I just... I, I absolutely... This is one of my favourite debut albums of the year, I have it's to say. very, very good. I mean, yeah. I have to say... I mean, Satellite Towns for me... It's so stuck, that it, the one. It stuck out for me last time. Ugh. It stuck out for me even more this time. It's, it's, a, it's a fucking brilliant song. And I think this is very, very good. But I suspect, Renfrey, that there is more to come from this band. From Wildcat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have thought so, yeah. definitely. But and in terms of... I mean, actually, it's been a phenomenal year for debut albums, mm. I have to say. Um, but uh, more on the metal end of the spectrum... Um, and you know, this is, this is not metal. Um, this is kind of like, I don't know, like it's like folk, but with an aggressive kind of intention. It's alternative rock. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Fuck it. It's It's, alternative rock. Like we don't need to go any deeper in it than that. I think, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's all rock. It's, it's very good. So I think, I I think a lot of the great debuts have come out of metal or extreme metal or whatever. And this is something, a debut that isn't that, um, uh, it's wonderful. I love it. And yeah. it's called Rhubarb Nostalgia. Yeah, it might be the name. best name for an album this year, I think. It's very good. But um, there, there you go. Wildcat Strike. Rhubarb Nostalgia is the name of the record. And we're now going to throw to you, Renfrey, because you spoke to the Dirty Nil to finish up our Canadian special. Yeah, you spoke good. to about Canadian punk rock. Now, we asked them to name their five favourite albums by Canadian bands. And there are certainly... Um, you know they're part of the Canadian punk rock scene which is a grand tradition of Fucked Up who we've already spoken Mm -hmm. about and you might hear some more chat on Fucked Up coming as well Um, there's Grade who I've given you for next week as well and then there's Billy Talent there's um, SNFU there's DOA there's Chicks Diggits there's Alexa on Fire there's No Means No there's Propagandy there's Cancer Bats there's Subhumans there's Comeback Kid there's Figure of Four and um uh, there's some 41 <laughs> <laughs> all of those off the top of your head as well yeah. amazing so it's a country that has a great and varied punk rock scene it really does and they're one of the the best bands uh, to come out of that scene doing it at this, the moment yeah, yeah. of this Definitely. generation uh, and, and doing something a little bit different with it as well yeah. so um let's see who they picked Alrighty then, um, you are joining me at the uh, in the basement of sorts a sort of nice kind of it's quite nice in here, isn't it, guys? It's yeah, it's right. great. Um, a bas- light spackle on the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the basement of the Boston Music Rooms. And I'm joined here by two members of the Dirty Nil. 
Uh, how are you guys doing? I'm excellent. Uh, that's I'm Luke. also well. And that's Kyle. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's our pleasure. Yeah, we are us. here primarily to talk about uh, punk. Punk. <laughs> hey ho, let's go. Punk. punk. Hey ho, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're basic. We've basically asked you to talk about five of your favorite Canadian punk bands, being from Canada yourselves, obviously, uh-huh. uh, because I think whilst the Dirty Nail are ostensibly a rock band, there's so much punk spirit and verve and fight in what you do. I think that's a fair assessment. Would you? Yeah, very much so. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. So first of all, before we get into these five bands that you've chosen, and it's a really eclectic, interesting choices, I think, some bands that I've not even heard of, which we'll get onto in a bit. <laughs> um, I would like to ask you what your individual introductions to punk music was. Ooh. Were, rather. Let's be grammatically accurate. <laughs> um, I think that um, in terms of uh, learning about music that I would still continue to identify as uh, punk or whatever that means, you know, I, I think yeah. that um, um, uh, when I was 12 years old, I was watching uh, uh, TV with my parents in the morning before I went to school and before they went to work. And it was, it was much music, oh. uh, Canadian MTV, basically. And it was this kind of video on demand thing. Right where you kind of vote for a video to be shown. And uh, the video for You Know You're Right by Nirvana came, along, ah, came on. This is so interesting. We, earlier on the podcast, we had a, 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 the very, very first episode, we had uh, me and my co-host Steve had an argument as to whether Nirvana were a rock band or a punk band. Mm. And I said they were a punk band, and he said they were a rock band. So I'm really glad you said that. Sorry, carry um, on. So <laughs> I, I remember um, just the, it was a, the, the, the television wasn't at all loud, but I remember my parents from the room over were immediately uh, experiencing kind of like a, a physical reaction to the sound and were very uncomfortable with it yeah, and telling yeah. me to change the channel. And yeah. that kind of um, response, that visceral uh, um, discomfort by my parents was something that I, my 12-year-old brain was like, cool um, because up till then i mean i was listening to like uh limp biscuit and lincoln park and uh-huh. good charlotte and my parents were like yeah this is fine this is whatever whatever you want to listen to but then that that was the first thing that where i i clearly remember them being uncomfortable with the sound of the the, vo- the vocals and the distortion and the just the dynamics and overall rawness of the whole thing and that was that that song was my teen spirit so you immediately identified with the rebellious nature of it yeah and and was and was very interested in uh i'd never heard my parents react to a to music that way and uh or seen them and i you know every 12 year old is like Fuck you, Dad. Like yeah. so, uh, they, they I love, I they love my parents. They weren't bothered, but uh, no, of course, they weren't bothered by the uh, swearing in Limp Bizkit. Then I think they were more <laughs> or less uh, ignorant to the uh, to the stylings of Fred Durst. <laughs> but I, I don't think I brought that around very, uh, very much. They just kind of bought me the CD. But that was the first thing that I remember uh, as a bit of a moment of yeah. um, of hearing that kind of. Uh, Distortion and everything uh, in such a raw way. I had never seen something so raw uh, on much music before, and it was just because that was the song that was uh, released to promote 
the best um, of, the best of. Yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. i immediately went out and got that obviously it's crazy but to think that song was lost for so long yeah it's such a brilliant so, song yeah so i guess that was that was eight years after the the demise of the band yeah that yeah. song came out but um there was that and then for me it was um when i was 15 years old um i was with my family at or no i was 16 15 or 16 and i was at uh with my family at um, uh, staying at a resort, and um, I I touched a horse and had an allergic reaction. Oh, so they were out for like they were taking some sort of sleigh like sleigh bell tours at Christmas or something, and so I was I had to be excluded from this because my entire body was swelling up. So I had to go lie on a bed and flip through the the movies or whatever on and American Hardcore came on the documentary right um, and that just blew my mind when right. I was about 15 years old or so cool um, learning about Cro-Mags and Minor Threat especially yeah. Black Flag yeah um, and so that was that was something that left uh, I just remember like the, the hearing the sound of like the guitar screech before uh, like Rise Above starts and uh it just be just th- it was kind of like a repeat uh, a repetition of that of that nirvana moment but um even more concentrated hmm. for me personally it was okay. it was just such a i just felt like i i i had uh i had discovered something i i just couldn't stop thinking about it the entire the entire uh rest of the trip and i got home and i went out and or I think I bought some stuff off of iTunes because that's how things yeah. were working then. Yep. But um, that that was a big one for me. That, those were kind of my early uh, early kind of lightning bolt moments yeah. uh, in in terms of learning about uh, punk music. Cool. What's your relationship with horses now? Uh, I stay the fuck away from them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't bother me, and I don't bother them. Carl, <laughs> um, oh, same question again. Yeah. Uh, for me, punk, that one is, like, a little blurrier. I remember, like, yeah, like, listening to Good Charlotte and stuff like that, like, growing uh, up. But I don't, like... Don't hear much Good Charlotte in Dirty Nell, I have to say. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> uh, but then, I don't know, got into things, like, Sum 41 was one of the first cities uh-huh. I ever bought. Like, All Killer, No Filler. Yep. I was pretty excited about that. But then, you know, finding out about, like, the Ramones, mm-hmm, Nicky mm-hmm. Pop, and the Stooges. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of that kind of had a different effect with it being like a little more blown out, a little more aggressive than hearing like the pop punk stuff. A little more discordant. Yeah, exactly. Just finding this more like heavier, more intense version of of what I had thought punk was. You know, it has many faces. Yeah. And I'd never like to pin it down to one thing. It's all how you see it. But uh, those are definitely some earlier... Earlier moments for me, I don't have anything in my mind as like galvanizing. As there well. wasn't like a moment. It was just yeah. It's just I always kind of like, and with any any music that I listen to, it's like I hear it and I go, "That's awesome." Doesn't matter what it is, and I will just listen to it obsessively until mm-hmm. I find the next thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to like cover that. Yeah, but those those kind of bands were the first, my first introduction to that because I grew up. My dad was a huge Pink Floyd fan. Mm. And pretty much almost exclusively listened to Pink Floyd. It was like Pink Floyd, a little bit of Frank Zappa, and like this band, The Tubes. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Tubes. They ring a bell, but they I'm, I'm assuming song, they're croaky. Uh, White Punks on Dope. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, like that kind of stuff. And it was like very, you know, small, small scope 
from from there and then finding these things from my dad it's like i don't know also like i don't know if i like this stuff i don't get it and i'd be like no listen to it i did recently get my dad to like fugazi really <laughs> yeah. oh that's that's a step in the right direction just the song waiting room but he okay. was like he was like into it, it was you kind should of try funny. the argument surely he'll like the argument maybe like that because that's quite I wouldn't call it proggy exactly, but it, but it's no, it's you're it's, it's to, definitely more experimental it's on that side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so so you came at it from a sort of rebellious edge as well because prog is well, punk. I would actually say is more mainly the antithesis of prog. I, I, I think it certainly started as that. Um, right, a lot of bands like Sex Pistols and stuff found Genesis and Yes and all that stuff total nonsense. So I suppose in a way punk was a rebellious thing for you as well right it's like the answer to this like kind of like overblown very uh very layered very kind of like a journey to listen to literally journey with uh (laughs) yeah and then uh you know coming into like this very bombastic very short very just like in your face boom it's over that's the song and i was like that's sick also i remember like American Idiot got released when we were in high school mm-hmm. and like that was all over the place at the time. I still love that record. I'm yeah. going to admit. I still I remember when I was, you know, uh probably about 13 or so, everyone was everyone was really into the Ramones and I was listening to an iPod and I just had the stereo mix and I thought it sounded like shit because <laughs> the guitar was like tiny in the right side and the bass was like in right. the left and the drums were thin and the vocals were like way too loud in the mix. So I, I, it took me a while to get into the Ramones because of just the way that it, the, the in, interface that I had with the music was my iPod and the stereo mixes are fucking garbage for the Ramones. But yeah, they are. Wa- that's why the Sex Pistols made such a much more immediate impact on me when uh, right around that kind of uh, discovery of American hardcore. It was kind of before American hardcore was... Uh, I, I I I heard Nevermind the Bullocks, and there's a, a lot of filler on that album. But I mean, certainly the singles that they recorded when Glenn Matlock was still in the band, uh, yeah. like Anarchy in the UK, is I think one of the most impressive, amazing sounding recordings of all time. Totally. It's yeah. so not punk in its recording; like it's a it is a wall of sound, excellent production. Johnny Rotten's like vocal performance is amazing. But that left a much stronger impact on me than the Ramones, just because of this. It was sonically like Nirvana or something. Yeah. It's just so much more powerful. It's lightning in a bottle. That, that yeah. album, isn't it? You know. Um, but then I got into the Ramones mono mixes, and then I'm like, okay, Ramones is the best mm-hmm. band ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they really are. I'm like, they're just so. I mean, for a band who basically, well, no, that's harsh. I was about to say a band who did the same thing over and over again. That's not strictly true, to be honest. But but you know, when you consider like that first Ramones album, is just. It's crazy. Gold. It's excellent. The whole thing. Um, so let's get into your uh, choices. Um, I'm so pleased that we weren't sure exactly what you're going to do here, but like, I'm, I'm very pleased that you haven't gone down the route of um, choosing like Cancer Bats and Alexis on Fire. Nothing wrong with either of those bands. Oh, for sure. But just in terms of like, we know about those bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people, this is going to be an education. Yeah, well, that's so, kind of like the thing. Yeah. There's so many bands that people know. Yeah, yeah. And, and both of those bands are fucking great. But but it was, uh, this is, um, it, this was an education for me as well. And considering oh, awesome. this is what I do for a living, that's kind of cool. So, um, so the first band I want to talk about is Constantine's. 
And the you chose their self-titled record, which came out in 2001. Yep. Uh, I'm assuming in Canada through Three Gut, and then I'm assuming it was re-released by Sub Pop in 2004. Yeah. That's what Wikipedia tells me. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about Constantine's. I saw the Constantines for the first time just on a whim in the fall of 2008 at my first uh, first year in university, and they were touring their Kensington Heights album, which is their last album they've released. But mm-hmm. I just went and saw them because it was the show was happening. It was down the street from my house, and I was bored. But um, I had I was familiar with Fugazi, but not certainly their bot their entire body of work or anything. But seeing a band that was like. It was it was one of the most rocking, amazing shows I'd ever seen. Um, they just harnessed so many different types of rock and roll, but also had that um, amazing creative spark and um, Fugazi attitude towards instrumentation and um, I can hear that, experimental, yeah. creative ways of using um, the instruments in a very powerful and loud, quiet, loud way. They have some songs that are, that were, I remember watching them uh, have some songs with a more straightforward uh, composition, um, almost in a, like a, like a rock and roll Springsteen esque kind of vein. And then some songs were just wild with, with very, very, um, um, nuanced dynamics and uh, tempo shifts, and and I had never seen a band that could harness a sound, ha- harness their sound, and were that um, quick to turn on a dime that way um, in terms of volume and tempo and everything um, before. And going through everything from, as I said, Fugazi to Neil Young territory, so they left a, a huge impact on me personally. And I kind of worked my way back um, through their recordings. Their their last two albums are probably the two most um uh accessible albums but mm-hmm. the first two uh remain as as as, as their as i think probably their best um the first one for me uh the song i remember seeing them play the song young offenders mm-hmm. um and that uh uh, was amazing live. That, that, that there's the bridge in the middle where it gets extremely quiet, and then it just sounds like Godzilla smashing buildings. And they're not using a lot of distortion or anything. It's just, it's just the sound of a band all working together to just rip your skull off through this, um, this cold, menacing, dissonant. Uh, just sledgehammer of rhythm that I, I, I really enjoyed. The first, I, as I said, it left a massive impact the first time I saw them play. You should try music journalism, man. <laughs> that's really, like, if I saw that as a sentence, I'd be like, whoa, that's some great music journalism right there. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, they strike me as really good storytellers, I think. Bry's just an incredible mm. writer. He's, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he writes great songs. I like how his lyrics are mostly... Um, are they? They're 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 very um, subjective, and they paint a picture rather than giving you um, a snapshot of what he's actually talking about. They more mm. they more evoke Definitely. feeling and emotion rather than uh, uh, they're they're very kind of shroud and 
shrouded in in in, in mystery in, in a certain way, but through that kind of stomping Springsteen filter. So it's got um, they've got some big ass courses, but um, they're also uh, very very open and t- open to interpretation, which I really loved about it. I instantly was was taken by his songwriting. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is that an approach that you've tried to take on board with? No, I suck at that. I'm I'm, a, <laughs> I'm very hard on the sleeve writing. I'm I I I, uh, I, I way rather prefer to uh, bash people over the head. <laughs> I think I well I I was the reason I was saying that is because you're very good at a vote at bringing someone into the room in in terms of like i feel like i can be i feel like if you're describing not that you you know start describing a room in a song or something but i feel like i'm there like well, thank if, you. if you're talking about something along um um what's the penultimate song on master volume called um i don't want to get that phone call yeah or something like that it's it's uh, it's something that uh, we've all had friends like mm-hmm. that, especially if we're growing up in and around this sort of music scene and stuff C- like that. Yeah. And like the empathy or the sympathy that I get from it immediately, it's like yeah, I've been there so much, so I can. That I think the empathy is really strong in Dirty Nil lyrics. Well, thank you. I think that um, we all of the songs, even if we're being playful with the. The, the 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 lyrics they're all kind of coming from a a sincere place and i think that i've subconsciously always striven for an immediacy with my lyrics um yeah. rather than um i as i said i have a deep admiration for guys like brian webb who can um lead you kind of down a, a garden path with certain little things but you've got to find kind of navigate yourself yeah. down i admire that type of songwriting but um, as I said, I think we we more kick the door down with our style. You're not fucking about when you say stuff like "I'm trying to say this in a nice way." Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> also also try and go for humor, no matter yeah, how yeah, da- dark yeah, yeah. the subject matter is. I think that's just a natural part of it, though. It's not. It's definitely not a conscious effort. It's just um, part of the attitude of the band. I think we've got a yeah. very gallows humor yeah. sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any memories about um, Constantine's for you, Kyle? Yeah, well, Luke, Luke saw them and knew about them before okay. I had, uh-huh. and he was like, "Gotta listen to this band." And I listened to it, and I thought it was cool, but I hadn't I hadn't seen them yet. Okay, and I remember I went to see Sonic Youth at mm-hmm. a at a show in Toronto, and it was mm-hmm. fine. I wasn't like the hugest Sonic Youth fan, but a bunch of people I knew were going. I wanted to go, and I was like, "I can see Sonic Youth. This is cool." Yeah, when they were doing like the Eternal or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, record. And I shot the the show was fine, but I didn't. Like it didn't like hit me. There's like a lot. There's a lot. They're so dense. Sonic. There's a lot. Yeah. To, there's you know, so like, much ground to cover. You challenge yeah, the yeah. listener. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that was I fun. Them, but yeah. And then the Constantines were playing a free show in Toronto as well okay. at this Harbourfront thing, and we we're like, let's go. And then we went, and I was like, the best concert I have ever seen at that time. Mm. And I was thinking, like, I just saw one of the most like renowned bands in the world like the night before and then now I'm seeing this band that I, I don't really know that well but they were fucking amazing probably Luke headbutted me during <laughs> during uh, it was Young Canada Avengers. Day 2009 yeah. or yeah, 2010 yeah. right and 2009 they, they uh and they were they were on fire they're kind of all hilariously wearing suits which they don't normally do right right was that a Canada Day thing I think or? they were just like whatever fuck it, do it. there was fireworks yeah. off in the distance yeah, like yeah. 
and they really brought it. They were like so high energy and just everyone was super into it and it was it was wonderful and I was like, yeah, this band's sick. And we've probably seen them like at least 10 times at this point in our life. Amazing. Cool. I think also one of the things for the Constantines is that um, for a lot of people, and this isn't necessarily for me, I think it's all, it's, it's, it's like any band that you absorb. Um, but I think that for a lot of people, their recordings leave a lot to be desired in, in a lot of places. And a lot of people don't, it's really, really hard for a band like that to translate what they can do live onto a recording. And they've, I think, taken a bunch of different routes in trying to do that. Mm. Um, uh, the first the, the first one, I think, is uh, the self-titled is excellent because it's, it's a bit, even though it's got a very raw sound, it's, there's, um, there's a lot of space on it and it sounds, it's, it's a very, it's probably their best representation of how that band sounds live. Mm -hmm. The second one is a bit, it's almost like uh, the production of something like the gnarlier moments of Exile on Main Street oh, right, okay. or um, something like that. It's a bit murkier, which having absorbed the Constantines the way that I did, seeing them live, and contextualizing the recordings that way, it does a lot for me. But if I, sh I remember trying to show people the recordings from their second album, Shine a Light, and people were like, yeah, I don't know about this. Mm. Um, and then for their last two albums, they went with a bit slicker production. I think that the the third one, they both the, their last two albums sound really good too for different reasons. There's excellent, um, awesome tones, amazing performances, amazing songs. Um, but they definitely try different things, and as we kind of said, they're more. They're I think lyrically they're a bit more challenging. Um, they, they they require a bit more of a disciplined listenership um, that makes it less immediate um, in some ways. Though they do have their moments where every they, they've got they've got some great as I said banging choruses, mm -hmm. but Bry's a little bit sneakier with his lyrics, so. Um, that in combination with, um, with as I said, some of their more uh, interesting production mm -hmm. choices made them they they were they were never destined for any kind of mainstream success. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they but, always had like a bit of a muddiness to them. Um, they yeah they went for different things at different times, but um, I remember trying to show people the Constantines and they just uh, showing the recordings um, and as I said in my brain through the uh, through the filter of having seen them live and hearing these songs it, it just immediately uh, evokes the image of seeing them live but for people who hadn't seen them live trying to explain to them that like it just it didn't translate as well mm -hmm. when I was trying mm -hmm. to show people. I'd have to I'd have to just try and round up my friends and yeah. as soon as you see them though, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think so many bands are like that, really. Yeah. I mean uh, it's a classic uh, situation. Yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. But I, I I listened to this record earlier today and I thought it was fucking great. So um yeah, I definitely recommend checking out Constantine's. It's a great first pick. Uh but well, moving on to your second pick, which I think is probably the 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 most famous band that you've chosen. Uh, although you know they're they're fucked up, so uh, literally yeah. they're fucked up. Um, so uh, yeah, and the record is uh, Chemistry of Common Life, which is one of the most maybe one of the most ambitious punk records I've ever heard. I think um, it's for me. I think this is an obvious choice because yeah. what a band. But uh, please tell me why why fucked up? 
Uh, Luke turned me on to them as well. Right, okay. Because he was raving about the first track on that record, which yeah. is Son the Father. Yeah. And yeah. that song blew my like mind. Six and a half minute, like, ep- well, epic of sorts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they just have like a really, I don't know, they have a really interesting way of how they've approached their career. Yeah. For example, very, very much a punk ethos with like, you know, doing like almost exclusively seven inches and in EPs for a really long time before yep. doing a record. And, um, they always strive to do different things. Even they have a new record coming out. Or is it out now? Daily. Um, Do- what's it What's it called? Dose? I'm not something. sure about a new one yet. Uh, I, I, there is one due, I'm sure, yeah. But I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're always like changing and evolving their sound and like really pushing what you could expect a punk band to be mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, where they're kind of situated in the world of punk rock mm-hmm. today. They're always doing ridiculously, ridiculously cool stuff, in my opinion. So, like, they did um, a gig with MTV Live where they performed in a men's washroom. Yeah, we yeah, talked we about, talking that. about yeah. that. <laughs> Smash the place to Smash pieces. The place yeah. To, yeah, and, and stuff like, like that. They're kind of the, a good example, too, of, like, kind of how we think about doing is like You don't really have to try to do anything just because people hear you know, a term and expect you to sound this way. Yeah. And like, yeah. now you always have to do this thing. It's like, you can just do whatever the fuck you want and people are going to like it or they're not. But like, don't strive to be something, just do what makes you feel good. Don't strive to be what people expect of you. Almost, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, strive I, to be something, but yeah, yeah, don't, don't strive to like pigeonhole yourself in yeah. a box. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, fucked up on, I would undeniably call them a punk band, but I don't know how else to really, when you take their entire discography into account, I don't really know how to break it down more than that. I mean, I guess art punk, but what the fuck does that mean? Right. You know? It can mean anything. It's like, yeah, they're like an avant-garde punk band. Yeah. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, well, what is that? Like, you, you know, they're just, they're, yeah. they're just fucked up. Um, this has made me laugh. The band has participated with other similarly named bands included including holy fuck fuck and fuck buttons in the festival the fuck bands uh, <laughs> i didn't know uh, about the last in, one in a village called fucking in austria that's uh, that actually was, fucking that, funny <laughs> that was around we're gonna put an explicit on this um that was around the time of this album coming out actually it was november 2008 so i thought um that was just worth going into because it just made me laugh but um yeah that's, yeah that, i didn't know that but holy fuck another canadian band yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. fuck buttons are Fuck Buns British. I can't remember. Sort I feel of like they are weird ass yeah. stuff. I don't know about fun. I don't really don't. Yeah, I don't know them well. But. Um, uh, do you? Are you guys familiar with the um, City Sonic documentary series? No. no. So they took part in this interactive um, documentary series. I was sort of hoping that... Uh, I was hoping that you guys might know about it because I was like, what what, what does an interactive documentary series entail? But it sounded really interesting. Yeah. So I think I'm going to check that out at some point. But yeah, yeah it's called City Sonic. It just okay. sounds really interesting. But City again, Sonic. City Sonic. But again, in terms of that whole thing of them doing stuff which you don't expect or just totally different, new, interesting things. Mm-hmm. This is all stuff that they were doing around the release of that record as well. So, yeah, exactly. You know, they're doing interesting weird stuff all the time they play this country all the time as well kind of like you guys you've got you play this place a yeah, lot for sure and then they always they all have so many different projects on the go yeah. too yeah like career, career suicide, suicide and, and, yeah yeah uh, i know ben has a few other young gov and then like yeah. uh no warning is his yeah. other band if you're familiar with them i, I am familiar with yeah. Warning. Yeah, yeah yeah i know warning. um 
they also won a award for this um, oh, yeah, album, the, the Polaris, the music, Polaris prize. music Prize, which just seems like a nice sort of uh, uh, segue into your Juno. Uh, ah. Congratulations! Thank you in very 2017. much. Um, for so you guys won a Juno. We're always we're always told in this country because you know realistically, out we don't really know what Juno all that much about the award ceremony but it's, we've been told it's the grammy the canadian grammys yeah you're like the brit awards or yeah. whatever okay yeah, yeah yeah um was that totally and utterly unexpected or i it, mean how, how do you feel like 12 months after or a year after winning that award is still that, waiting that? for a free fucking mattress <laughs> oh yeah uh <laughs> I suppose the reason I'm asking is because <laughs> listening to Higher Power and uh, Master Volume, you don't strike me as a band who. Now I'm sure I'm sure you are very grateful for the award, but then at the oh, same absolutely. time, you don't strike me as a band who care about getting awards. Is that, um, um, if I'm wrong about that, do say. But like, it's the most important thing in the world. To me. <laughs> uh, no, it's yeah, it, we. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to like be oh. like oh Juno's a shit or anything like no, that no, I'm, no, just, no. I'm just kind of like you know it doesn't strike me as something that you the reason why you started a band or anything personally like that. Oh, it yeah. was uh, it was it was it was just a, an entire uh, world that I never saw us um, a part of and that's not because I thought any lower or higher of us it was just an entirely different branch of the tree um that's, very, that's a much better way to put what i was trying to say no worries <laughs> yeah. uh, uh loud bands with screeching microphonic feedback don't exactly. win junos typically so when we were announced as uh when we were announced as um uh nominee. nominees or of, of the award um it was quite a surprise to us um because of, of what I just said. Mm. Uh, I think that um, having said that, when we, the, the, the ultimate point of pride, uh, aside from winning it, was um, for me, when we were sitting in the banquet hall, and there's the who's who of the Canadian music industry and they're playing a, a sample of music from each band who had been nominated and there's all these kind of very slick uh, recordings of pop songs and and then there was, uh, and then they got to us, and there was a uh, just a squall of, of feedback, <laughs> and everybody in the in the banquet hall kind of winced a little bit and and kind of uh, contracted their shoulder blades upwards in just in anticipation of a bomb dropping, and they played a sample of Zombie-Eyed, and I nice. looked around the room with a, a a good little smirk, and I was I was happy uh, I was happy to stand out in yeah. that kind of. Um, sea of things i mean uh, the entire weekend i just thought that we had ba- uh, the our our vibe was who the fuck let us into this thing <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but we were happy to be there and get all the free drinks and everything and, and then and then you won as well and then we won yeah yeah i thought i was gonna have a heart attack <laughs> because they they um <clears throat> you know they go through awards you know what's coming and they're like up next is the award for like breakthrough group of the year and I'm like, my heart's just pounding. It's like, oh, fuck. And then it's like, but first a word from our sponsors. They played this like <laughs> five minute little commercial for the, the grant system in Canada. And uh, it felt like an hour. <laughs> and I thought I was going to explode <laughs> in my chair. Oh, cool. I, I said weed rules at the end of our speech. And my mom, my mom sent me like a, like 
2,000 word essay text about how disappointed she was in me. Oh, man. And I was just like, Mom, I love you, but don't ever tell me how to rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I followed it up with, when you win your Juno, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> I have a great relationship with my mother, by the way. That's a great story. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, right, so let's move on to um, Attack in Black. This is one of the bands I did not know, Attack in Black. Yeah. Um, sadly, um, not a band anymore. They went from 2003 to 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, and you guys picked out the Widows EP from 2006. Uh, tell me about Attack in Black. I only know bits and pieces. Um, Attack in Black was a band that my friends showed me. What are friends for? Uh, <laughs> but um, they had a very very steep uh, uh, sonic and genre shift across their brief career. Um, but for me, at least, um, and I like pretty much every recording they ever did for different reasons, but um, towards their last two albums, you can basically consider uh, almost like a crazy horse Neil Young meets like... Uh, um, some very acoustic material. Right. Um, I didn't hear that from that this EP. Yeah. <laughs> no, not on so that one. <laughs> so for me, Widow's EP is, is, is the height for me okay. uh, because of how immediate it is and how solid, uh, especially a couple of the songs on that EP are. Um, I remember hearing Broken Things um, when I was about 18 years old. Um, and... Uh, just how ripping of a recording it was mm -hmm, off of mm -hmm. that. They re-recorded it for their first full-length marriage, and it's not nearly as 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 awesome, in my opinion, on, mm. the, on the, the second recording. But everybody's gonna have their own opinion. I'm mm -hmm. sure people prefer that one. But the first one that the piss and vinegar of of the widow's EP was uh was a uh, um and and the they kind of com they they combined elements of that Constantine's esque lyricism of, of n kind of indirect painting um, with some immediate, very um, sincere, heartfelt on the sleeve lyrics. I really yep. like that combination, but I love the instrumentation because it, it had some very, um, especially that song Broken Things has a, a very who-like uh, kind of chord ring out mm. um, uh uh, structure where they and uh, I, I just really loved that and this kind of like big righteous tribal beating drums behind the whole thing and it kind of continues to ramp up and up and up and up and explodes at the end. I really love that. But then after that, I got into um, Cut and Run, which is, I think is the first second song. Mm -hmm. Second song mm -hmm. um, could could be wrong about that, but that song is just a, a ripper straight through. I loved it so. I mean, I just love the engineering and the performances on that one particularly. I think all of their recordings are really good for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, is it is it Curve of the Earth that has on, uh, only child? Yeah, Curve of the Earth has only child on it, which is a uh, song written by the drummer Ian, who was our roommate for a period of time. No way, cool. Back home in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. I think that they, um, they're, as I said, their last two albums, they recorded themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, they're uh as i said they they because they just kind of con constantly shifted their um their their sonics um whenever they had 
they, they had, I think they had quite a bit of heat around uh, um, marriage when it first came out. And then they uh, grew very creatively restless with that and uh, began more or less a... a, a um, they kind of slowed down their career and kind of did things on their own terms, which um, um, I think has led to at least, especially locally, there's there's a there's a mystique for the band because they just did whatever they wanted for the most part. Okay, and, um, did that alienate people? Or certainly, right? Yeah. Burned a lot of bridges. Interesting. Yeah. There's a there's a um, I I I just I remember really really liking the recordings but i never saw them play live and saw them looking like they were having a lot of fun doing it personally mm. even though the songs are brilliant um and certain members of the band i think really enjoyed playing but i think that they they're all just such brilliant artists themselves that being confined within a, a rock band uh the can the 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 that it takes a certain kind of um, person to do a one rock band and commit to it for your life. Sure. And I think that they were all just such um, creative and prolific artists that 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 um, that mold was never right for them. Mm. And they they've all gone on to to have amazing careers themselves doing yeah. doing their own thing. Yeah, it's very eclectic. All the things they do now, like. Ian, the bass. Is it all still music? They all do music yeah. still, yeah. Ian, the bass player, has a project called Marine Dreams. Okay. But I think he just goes under his own name now. And, Ian like, Daniel Kehoe. has gone from doing, like, kind of very, um, kind of like garagey, uh, like, poppy kind of like rock music to now it's like synths and things like that. Yeah, and cool. also takes part, in his, mode almost. Yeah, right, cool. takes part in his partner's band, uh, Weather Station. Right. Dan, the singer, uh, he has a country kind of thing. Oh, they all go country. Folk the thing, end, but then he they? also has like a new power pop kind of punk thing that he right. does called Ancient Shapes. Right, right, right. Uh, okay. And the, he, the country thing is just Daniel Romano. His new song is awesome, by the way, Empty Husk. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, Dan's a, a, a really really cool artist. He does yeah. whatever the fuck he wants all the time. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Like him and him and his brother Ian Romano, who's the drummer, they helped write the new single Mother's Record that just came out uh-huh. recently. Uh, Through a wall, uh, and uh, Spencer Burton also has a solo career. Okay, cool. As a um, Great Kingdom. I mean, that does. That I think he is. Spencer Burton. Now? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. Also now, just his own name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that single mother's reference does seem to be a good segue into your next band, who are single so, mothers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm so glad you chose single mothers because I don't think they're very well known in this country at all, and I think they're fucking great. They're awesome. Um, so you chose Negative Qualities. Really interesting. Like um, a band who took a really long time to like similar to fucked up in a way to release their debut album mm-hmm. which i think is sometimes a really as, as did you guys actually come to think of it didn't you yeah it took 10 years yeah uh, i mean was uh, it looks it looks like i was about to ask was that on purpose or not but by your reaction there luke it looks like it wasn't it but. was partially by a design i think we had we had certain um we had certain um impulses to follow the fucked up tra- trajectory because it had worked out so well for them um, but the more we kind of got into things, we the more we realized that we should just do whatever we want to do rather than what we the people we looked up to did. 
Um, so, I mean, staying independent was somewhat of a means of, of, of being able to retain creative control. We had a bunch of offers when we were 19, 20 to sign with people, but they're all shady assholes, and it kind of <laughs> alienated us from the idea of cooperating with anyone for a while. Okay. So we, I get that. we didn't want to release um, an album until we had cultivated somewhat of a fan base um, so that we had our own assets to bring to the table. Um, so that we weren't going to get pushed around by a label telling us what to do. Um, so it was it was somewhat out of just circumstances um, and somewhat out of um, our uh, resignation to follow whatever we wanted to do and never have outside influence on our music. I think that's enormously smart for, you know, if you're around 1920 at the time, the um, I think most 1920-year-olds in a band would be really... Um, stoked to be courted mm-hmm. if you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think it's very very smart i mean it feels like a really smart move because i remember when um we got higher power in and it was just like holy fuck like these guys must have been around for a while because it's so um well put together so to hear it as a debut you know reading the notes to hear it as a debut album it's well, like thanks fuck me man but then when i found out that you'd been about for a while it's like that totally makes sense so, um, but just like single mothers. So, please tell me about single mothers and why you've chosen uh, negative qualities. Single mothers were the first band that I remember when we were doing shows. Mm. Um, we, you know, we'd done things where we got to play for some pretty big bands and we're excited about. But you know, local shows were always still like a building thing. Yeah, and I remember it came through and it was like, yo, we got offered a show and we're gonna play with this band. And then I checked them out and I was like, holy shit this band is fucking oh, cool. crazy and i listened to their they was on their self-titled their ep with the Dreamcatcher on the cover uh-huh. with like yeah, Christian yeah. girls and stuff on it that was what they were touring and i was like this band fucking rules and i can't wait to play with them and we just happened to almost instantly become friends at that show great mm-hmm. and um i think that uh yeah, that that first recording that they did, or that's not their first recording, but uh, that that EP, the self-titled EP, has um, been one of the most important things, if not the most important thing they've done, uh, in terms of their gaining a uh, cultivating a fan base because it's just such an amazing recording. It's so raw and so crazy, and the songs are so good. It's for them. There's no filler. It's it's great. Cool. But negative qualities is when they went into the studio and did. Um, a, I think they had had a couple attempts basically at recording or full length before that, but things just hadn't quite come together for for multiple reasons. But negative qualities. Um, uh, I think that for me at least the. Um, the more um, melodic songs on that record are my favorite, and they're few and far between on mm-hmm. that one. There, mm-hmm. but songs like "Money" um, really, really, um, I just couldn't couldn't stop listening to. And it's one of those things where I mean, Drew's an extremely close friend of ours, and mm. it's one of those things where you, I just couldn't stop listening to. It. I show it to my mom, my mom fucking loved it too, cool. and it was just like one of those things um, where you sit back and you're like, I can't believe how talented some of my friends are. This is mm, crazy. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that one, the sonics of it are amazing. Um, I think we should also mention, too, uh, the next recording that they made, mm-hmm. um, which was Our Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ross, our bass player, actually played on it and oh, helped cool. write it. Um, but Our Pleasure uh, was 
is I think some of the best song like some of the best sonics they've ever had. Um, I, I remember going there in the studio and just hearing it, and it was it was it was a big wow moment because. Um, this was before Ross was actually in the band and just hearing what they had done but there's some really really good songs on that album like uh, for me at least I really like when Drew has his kind of ragged melodic melodic things Um, his his melodic tendencies I find to be uh, the most appealing to to my taste Mm. um, because Mm. they have a certain uh, replacements like sincerity to them and a um, I, I I love that kind of uh, poison poisonous sugar that they kind of have in the, in those those type of songs mm. and uh, our pleasure is full of full full of those kind of songs too. Okay, cool. He's got the craziest ability to like pull words out of the air yeah. and then string them together into one of the most beautiful things you've ever heard. The best single mother songs are a lot of them. Drew just literally wrote in the sound booth, so the band would have like you know some things together and he would just kind of be there in the booth in the back and um and they'd step up to the microphone and deliver songs that people now across the world scream at his face yeah yeah which is like an unbelievable talent that i've never met anybody like that right who can do that 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 idea just fucking petrifies me um but uh that's that's his element is 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 basically just do it on the spot i've never met anyone like that yeah mm-hmm. there's a fascinating story about when um just before before negative qualities came out so um he formed the band in 2008 and then they broke up because he went to mine for gold yeah yes can you tell me more about that yeah so drew is a prospector right he's a prospecting license and um so they recorded uh self the, the self-titled ep yeah and i think basically the band just they had kind of run the race and put it out online and drew went up north and was living in some mining town like isolated away from everyone and then slowly this album just because of its sheer power and um unique qualities was circulating throughout the internet and some people like jeremy from touche more yes <laughs> he signed them on uh, death wish, death wish yeah. yeah 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 so it just started gaining a, a cult following online, and I think at some they basically drew isolated from all this. One day, checked in and realized that his band, which no longer existed, was taking off. <laughs> so he, they 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 got back together and and started touring the hell out of it and gaining an even bigger fan base uh, mm-hmm. because their shows were awesome. And then um, they got signed to XL. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's such so a crazy story. Such a whirlwind, this? interesting rock and roll yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not common at all. No, I don't no. read in many rock biographies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's got, like, if you ever talk to him, he has crazy stories about the time up there. Right, okay. Uh, like, I don't know, he's running into bears and shit in the woods. And yeah. then just, like, what it was like living up there. It's all very interesting. Cool, cool. And, um,. And another another reason I realized like negative qualities is, is near and dear to us is because when that record came out, our bands did like a really big seven week North American tour together. Nice. And just okay. has, yeah. Yeah. Uh, endless amounts of fond memories yeah. and really good times that we had on that one. Amazing. Cool. 
Um, all right, well, let, let's move on to your last choice. Uh, and this is the band that I know the least about, but I listened to this EP this morning and thought it sounded fucking great. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely more into the hardcore end of the spectrum, I think, with Born Wrong and their self-titled... It's their self-titled 7-inch that you sort of chose. Yeah, which is kind of like a split, I think. Too. Right, okay, okay. I think I just heard their songs, but... Um, yeah. Heavy, hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, what can you tell me about Born Wrong? Uh, they're definitely one of the crazy... Like, one of the... They were definitely one of the tightest... Uh, and craziest live bands that happened in our local scene back home in Hamilton. Uh-huh. Um, and I was still pretty new to hardcore at yeah. the time that I yeah. had been like introduced to them outside yeah. of like the usual ones like Black Flag and everything like that. I just had never like really seen it in front of my face. That makes a big difference. And they hardcore, were obviously. they were just like a powerhouse band. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were like I mean seeing them live was like how people describe seeing like Led Zeppelin like young Led Zeppelin like it was just so like, I mean like playing in a in a rock band you play with so many bands that are like insanely loud but fucking suck and like they're just not very like they're they're just they don't quite have it together and it's more like you're trying to sort out what's going on but mm. born wrong the volume worked in a powerful way for them because they were so tight and so so aggressive and so engaging you could not take your eyes off them particularly Scott who uh, is one of the finest vocalists I've ever uh, I've ever seen live Um, uh, he could just do the the best strongest vocals I've ever seen a band do um, yeah, like he performed like he was gonna tear your head off. It was really? scary to be yeah. in the room while Bowen Ron was playing, but you, it was, it was, you know, I, I roll my eyes as I'm saying this, but it was fucking electric. It was crazy. It <laughs> yeah, was just it was. like, it was. I take that journalism thing away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For I that Done. <laughs> it was like, it, it was Scott. Scott would. I only saw them a few times, but I remember seeing them the first time in uh in the casbah lounge which is a tiny little room in hamilton and they just um uh the guitar player what's his name again i don't remember uh it wasn't tj because that's because you're thinking that they also had a guy cj in the band but he's not in the i don't know was it CJ? It might be CJ. I think it might have been. I think his name was CJ. But I'm I'm yeah. sorry if I messed up your name. But yeah. an amazing, just an incredible guitar player, loud as fuck. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm uh, as I said, we're used to just seeing a lot of bands that are who are like excruciatingly loud, who just don't quite have it together and mm-hmm. are using volume as kind of a, a masking tool. Or so am I. Uh, I'm a music journalist. Yes, <laughs> but. Seeing a band who is like insanely loud and who can deliver yeah. is it just makes it that much more powerful. It just yeah. um it's totally. it's how it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean seeing them play like that, uh they're one of the most um I, I just I'm just happy that I got to exist at a time when Born Wrong was playing shows. Yeah. Nice. And you're in luck because there was a. Uh, this guy that we know, Mitch Fillion, he yeah. played in local vans. He has a video series okay. out of Ontario called Southern Souls. Yeah. So kind of like a, like a La Blago Tech thing yeah. or um, Black Cab Sessions like idea. But we did it once, but basically bands play. And he did one with Born Wrong and they play in a classroom. Oh, great. And they do like six songs. And then their last record, they apparently they 
they did those six songs and filmed it and they're just like hey can we record some other songs right now really quick and they're like sure and then they just like banged out their new album and we're like cool whoa and then the last record they put out which was funny it came they put in like uh copies of that split that they did and silk screened on the the not born wrong side like a death certificate <laughs> that's fantastic Whoa. Yeah. oh that's what a brilliant way to go yeah. out but it's it's really good uh, so go look up Born Wrong Southern yeah, Souls. Yeah, and I know it's incredible. I, I was on their Bandcamp earlier today. And I noticed you can, if you so wish, download all their stuff for free. So you know, but yeah, chuck them a bit of money. But you know, it, you, there is the option to get all that stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. guys, those are thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Hey, talk forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we we've kind of totally overrun. Um, but oh, yeah, right. those are some amazing choices. And and yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Master Volume is out now. It is fucking incredible. We reviewed it on the show a week or two ago and both me and Steve absolutely loved it well, we said thank you. very thank very you. nice things about it um, and yeah you guys will be touring until the end of time I assume the end of time you're here you're here to in the, the UK a lot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you'll be back very soon very I'm soon. sure yeah were you yeah cool, cool. Yeah, alright guys back very soon. Uh, Luke, Carl thank you very much thank, thank you, you very much that was a pleasure thank you all right, there you go. Well, that was very interesting. Yeah, so very m- interesting that Luke considers Nirvana a punk band, isn't uh, it, there, Stephen Hill? Well, you think? It's, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and accurate, maybe? Well, I mean, I mean I'm going to say it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, was, it, I found it interesting. <laughs> I, I liked fine. the accuracy of all of Luke's answers, <laughs> But some, some pretty good uh, some pretty good ones, some, some wild card entries as well. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, okay, cool. So there you go, Dirty Nil. What a great band they are. They're brilliant. And they were fucking so good. The, uh, the, was, I saw them afterwards and they were just fucking off the chain brilliant. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. I was going to go to that and then I didn't in the end. Mm. Oh, no. um, so there you go. Anyway, so next week, come back, will you? Come on, come back. I'm, I'm, back and I'm see still here. Again. Oh, you're talking um, to the listeners. Okay. The listeners. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing new albums from Tom Morello, Shining, Greta Van Fleet, and Minus the Bear. And someone who you want to review. Me Without You. Me Without You, that was it. Uh, go to musicism.net, put in Riot in capital letters, you get 25% off your courses. And we shall see you next week. We're going to have another guest next week. Yeah. Can we say that is? Mm, it's not recorded yet. It's not recorded, but it's basically it's I mean, gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Fuck it, yeah. So. Alright. He used to be in one of our favourite bands. Oh yeah. Should we say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Now he's in nice a very good tease. band. Very different band. But yeah. Very, very good band indeed. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And um he, he did a shit on stage. Anyway, see you next week. <laughs> see you next week, guys. Bye.